Cocoa Talk, we'd like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show. So our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, ARG, John and Aaron, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Patrick Randolph, Eric Canales, Frodo NL, Glenn Hewitt, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunk, Michael Pitsley, Rick Eulin, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Terry Steen, The Backyard Check Gang, Tom C., Tom S., Tim Lindner, and Tony C. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Coco Talk, the only show in the world featuring David Ladd. It's time to grease your weasel and do whatever yo pleasel, because we're about to rock your 8-bit world.
Talk show's got its custom theme song. Coco Talk is no exception at all. We'd like to welcome those short or tall. Hardware buffs to software dogs. Well, they didn't miss anything. <laughs> they just missed a really bad joke. Yeah. That was, again, hey, so, uh, welcome to our special Murphy's Law Christmas episode. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. That's all that's all right. You'll you'll get it eventually. Yep, we're back on. Woo. Some people are happy about that, some are disappointed, but we'll still yeah. go on. Oh my goodness. Well, despite multiple technical challenges, Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to a very Coco Christmas. Thank you, Mark B., for picking up the stream when mine failed. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? But, 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 but wasn't, just in, in Coco Talk fashion, wasn't yesterday Christmas? So aren't we a day late and possibly a dollar short? Two, Two days late. Oh, Russian sign woodchuck chuckers. It's Groundhog Day. Oh my day. goodness. Oh my goodness. So uh yeah, are we on the air? Are we streaming? Do we have audio? These are the questions that we may or may not ever find but the Robin Min to. verifies. He says unfortunately everything is working now. So oh okay. We're sorry. Say, yes. So thank you, Mark B, for picking up the stream. We had to start and stop. So yeah, I spent uh, I spent some time together compiling and compositing some extra content for our for our intro. So you heard there Simon Jonasson's Christmas demo, which he debuted on Facebook. What do you guys think of that music? I, it gave me the chills, man. I just really love that demo and the music and everything else. I thought that was really. Cool. Was that when you heard my name, Stevie? Is that the part that gave you chills? We're still it gave the, me chills. We're still in the Simon Jonasson part. We haven't gotten to your part Oh, yet, sorry, Nick, so. sorry, sorry, sorry. It's not all about you, Nick. Tony, you okay. down just a bit there, Nick. I feel Simon <laughs> Jonasson didn't mention me enough, but other than that, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that demo. We've seen a few versions of his rotating um, thing before, but this was a whole new nice the medley soundtrack going on there. Sounds really good on headphones. You can hear the multiple instruments. You can hear the low ends and all that kind of stuff. Sounds really good. Thank you, Simon, for doing that and for the um, for the musical genius of whoever put those those notes together. And then, of course, you heard the uh, Nick Marotta's favorite new theme song. Finally, we're talking with that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, pa Paul Thayer threw that one together for us. Thanks, Polly T. He had prior obligations today. Why don't we go around the room and say panel introductions and say hi to everybody in the top left-hand corner of the Hollywood Squares. I am seeing Rick Euland. How are you doing, Rick? Oh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Our backup streamer, the person who's allowing this train wreck to stay on the rails today, Mark Bosley. Merry Christmas, Mark. 
right? A guy who likes having his names mentioned, and it could be in song, it could be in praise, it could be chiseled in stone for all he cares. But it's Nick Morota. I can't even deny that today. I've been, making, I've, I've been, I've been joking, guys. I'm not really this much of a diva. <laughs> uh, sure he is you're in the not. witness protection program today. Our resident Apple guy, Mark D. Overholzer. Hello, Mark. Hello, working on my backup computer, so it's a there little slow. If it's got a toggle switch, he's probably made it. Jason the Cocoa Man Rygert is here. Merry Christmas, oh, Jerry. Merry Christmas at daylight and a dollar short, but I've got my Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Ooh. That might be worth money. There's a shortage, Ooh. apparently. Yes. Oh, that was that's an old news story, but yes. It oh, is. it was old? Oh, okay. That was old, yes. David from, just found out from Oh Canada and the co-creator of the Nitrous Nine project and the Ease of Use Beta Guy. Oh, Curtis Boyle is here. Hello, everyone. I'm slowly starting to try to catch up on sleep here because the last few days of doing EOU was a mad rush till two or four in the morning each day. And now I thought I'd be catching up on my sleep, and now the bug reports are flowing in, so I still have to stay up late and figure out what's going on. So, excellent. We have a we have a celebrity here in our midst, a YouTube celebrity, Canadian retro things. Ken Waters with us. Uh, happy Boxing Day, Ken. Good morning, Merry Christmas. What you're silenting again, there, yes, Ken? Yes, yeah. Oh, resistance, resistance is futile. You have been assimilated. It's technical. Right. It, it's technical <laughs> difficulties day here on. Yes, yeah, it is definitely it, Simon. Just do with the unplug plug in again, there, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> by your come this on. is quite a day uh, <laughs> oh your all your base all belong to us yes 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 oh, we have, now i've lost my camera oh you're better <laughs> you're, you're better now ken where is ken where do you go i'm i lost my camera i think okay yep. oh we hear happy, you fine though happy boxing day okay. ken <laughs> uh, let's try to this is our technical difficulties episode what oh, is there we go i'm back camera's back Ken's if we back. can keep everything broke today then i'd be happy with that for the rest of the year so <laughs> right 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 yes yeah we, we can only go up from here right like the rest of the show's right, right. the rest of the year's gonna be awesome absolutely brian weasler's with us merry christmas brian weasler hello can you guys hear me okay we can hear you yes. just fine okay because going along with the theme of the uh of the uh hardware issues today this is what oh. happened to my oh, headphones so, no. so i'm nice. on my backup headphones Ah, oh, that'll so. buff right out. Just, just <laughs> crazy glue in there. Should we just quit the show before duct, the nuclear bomb goes yeah, off? I don't know. Little there. duct tape. That'll fix it right up. Hey, Brian, I'm on my backup computer here. I'm running Windows 7 right now. Ooh, now Best you're version bragging. of Windows. <laughs> Episode 20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yes. Alan Murphy's with us. Merry Christmas, Alan. Oh, happy Festivus. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hopefully I'll survive to it. Yeah, oh, likewise. We got a guy who's fit with holiday cheer, 365 degrees, 365 days a year. We're talking about none other than Ron Delvo. He is a happy guy. Fine. Sounds great, Ron. Perfect. I heard I heard Cruller and uh, and Tim Bits. Okay. We got a guy responsible for our Christmas demo. He likes to smoke skinny cigarettes, and we've already found out there's nothing funny going on in those cigarettes. Merry Christmas to you, Simon Jonathan. How are you? Merry Christmas to you guys, and thank you very much. And those are actually Paul Mall. Okay, they're Paul Mall. Paul Mall. Brought yeah. to you by to you our by sponsor. That's right. 
Unfiltered. Yeah, with extra tar. Unfiltered. Four so to five doctors recommend. Merry Christmas, Simon. We got Brian. We got Ken. Paul T. Barton is here. Merry Christmas, Paul. He's mute, but hello, Paul. From down under the thunder, Nicholas Morentes. Good oh. eye, Nick. I just woke up. Did I miss anything? <laughs> no, it's been smooth sailing. Yeah. <laughs> no issues at all and yep. last but certainly not least he's probably excited to be here david lad are you excited to be here, david oh why yes i am stevie this is going to be a great train wreck today we might have to see if there's any arms laying along the sides of the tracks today <laughs> oh my are we ready for the show to go oh forward? my goodness David Ladd, into uh, decapitations. Who says video <laughs> games make you violent? No, David, no. I didn't say you needed decapitations. I said you needed to drink decaffeinated. decaffeinated. Oh, okay. <laughs> I get it now. All right, let's move on. We'll you right. just use your head over this. Come on, let's go. Merry Christmas, Paul T. Barton. Welcome back. Yes, sir. We see you. So we have another extreme show in store for today boys and girls um before we get into nick marota's other favorite part of the show where we get to talk about the game on results and the oh i'm awake score challenge with nick marota perhaps awake. we'll do a real ad lib impromptu unscripted unplanned unsupervised discussion about holiday memories past present future coco memories just family time with the holiday uh anyone 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 else talk about something positive other than this show <laughs> oh i could bring up something very positive other than this show ooh. But, ooh, yes. <laughs> and it's not about die dr pepper oh no, my goodness actually true story uh you know of course christmas 1984 what did well it was a gift it wasn't just for me it wasn't just for my brother it was for the whole family and it was a and it was this uh, this exact cocoa two box oh, here. If I can hold it in frame, I have still I still have it. my original cocoa. Rescued it from my uh, parents' garage here a few years ago. Still have the box. It even has a shipping label to the uh, to the uh, Radio Shack store when it was upgraded to 64K because we started out with 16K color basic, a uh, CCR81, a set of the Black Beauty joysticks, um, color script set, and bust out. Does your brother know that? He does. He was there. <laughs> no, that Ooh. you have it now, probably. I guess. Yeah, that you have. Oh it yes, now. he knows I have it. Yes. Um, yeah. I bet well, you were he, just excited he... coming home after school and pulling out that color script set. Oh yes, that was that was the best. Does he have visiting rights? He has a nice. <laughs> he has a nice uh, shiny uh, re uh, redone Coco Three that I gave him here a couple years ago. So oh, how generous! He's okay. Yeah. I am so jealous of you guys who weren't idiots like me getting rid of your original equipment. Oh yes, I forgot that he mentioned we had that we also had the TP10 printer. What a wonderful Ooh. printer! And some and I I loaned it to someone and never got it back. And what did I do here recently? I went on eBay and bid on two, and I only needed one, and now I have two, and I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I just kind of take them to the shows and stick them to the MC10, and just kind of go. Well, here you go. Can it actually print on TP? <clears throat> Uh, only if it, it has to be the thermal ply, not the double ply. Thermal ply. <laughs> yeah, thermal ply. TP for my bunghole. Bungholio. Yeah. <laughs> bunghole yes, yes. We're going to class up the show there, Nick Morota. Yeah. Brett Gordon, too. Hey, Brett. Brett's muted. Hopefully you can hear us. Brett, oh, I thought it smelled like Rack's roast beef in here. <laughs> For both people who get that joke. Merry Christmas, Brett. Brett's here, yay. 
Oh, so so Jason's cocoa memory was getting his cocoa to the family cocoa. Was it a real Christmas. family pleaser? It was. We weren't <laughs> having a blast with the new Matt Tudor, but and my dad didn't have a shortwave either, so oh. I don't know. But uh, that, that, that was our first computer. Yeah. Oh, that's this how we got your love of ham radio dad. from. It wasn't from your dad. No, it was just, it was from, if you want, it was just from the, my dad did electronics. He, he, he did a lot of correspondence courses. He built a television set, a Heathkit floor console television set. And between all the other stuff he did with electronics, that's what got me interested in electronics. And then being interested in electronics, going to my local library and I was finding books on electronics and stuff. And I found a, uh, a, a, a American radio relay league handbook. And that's when I started reading about uh ham radio and and then it went on from there but it started out with a love of electronics started by started by my father you know with all his electronics uh, stuff that he did when i was when i was younger oh neat sounds a bit like my story actually because um uh, i think that was a year before you it's back in 85 and i've still got that coco lane on the floor it's coco 2 which was a uh, coco korean model with a t1 buddy g in it nice 16k uh, color basic which i extended to extended color basic 64k in it and i've still got that lane beside me and my dad bought it for me as a christmas present back in 84 or 85 so yeah i've still got that machine and that is dear to my heart that's awesome and and thanks for that demo simon really good stuff really brought some holiday cheer Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I, I actually done that Definitely. about three, three or four years ago, you know, mm -hmm. um, but it's not been, it's not been spread about that much. And I, I, I had a problem with, I think with Brian, who was it? Brian, someone other, this OS9 stuff. He couldn't get it to run on his 86 gimme. Mm. Um, and that was like, mm, okay, fine let's try and fix it. So I've been trying to fix it for a couple of days. I don't know if his machine is a bit special, a bit wonky, whatever, but it is what it is. Yeah. Well, it was, it was nice. And was this an updated soundtrack? Cause I don't remember there being this much Christmas medley in the first version. I thought it was just one tune originally. Or... No, it's the same version as, as back in the day. Okay. Probably didn't listen to it as much, but. I'm sorry. Were you saying yeah. something? <laughs> no, I, th I thought the same thing because I, I I recognized the demo and I recognized the first song with some of the stuff at the end. I didn't music wise, I don't remember like from a the whole previous medley of songs, but it was great. It was really good. I really enjoyed that. So thank and you. It's, for only, that. it's only two voices of inherent sort of. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Simon. Uh, who else has Christmas memories or Christmas joy, past, present, future? Could be cocoa related. Could be not cocoa related. I don't know. Anyone? Anyone? Uh, Brian uh, Weasler. Uh, for me, uh, I always I wanted to get a color computer, and my mom knew about it, but uh, she didn't know about computers, and she wanted to surprise me. So when I unboxed my hopeful uh, Coco Two, it was a Texas Instrument, <laughs> 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 and so. I gave it a whirl and tried playing with it, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted. I couldn't understand it. And so we boxed it up, took it back to the store and went and got uh, my Coco 2. So, wow. Wow. That's there, devotion but, uh, returning. 
<laughs> those stories TIs, of corrected Cocoa Christmas. Yes. There you go. Those things were not cheap when they came out. That TI was like 500 bucks or something. It was pretty yeah, pricey. By the end, it was quite cheap, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's my story. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, my story is uh, when I was a kid, there wasn't computers. So the next best thing, in, in far as I knew, was a telescope. And I got a telescope when I was young. And, um, and then on a future um, Christmas, I got a larger telescope. And my parents somehow knew to get uh, uh, maps of the sky so that I'd be able to find stuff later on, which really helped. And so I'm indebted to my parents for getting me into astronomy. And That's awesome. Been there since. It's, it's fun. That's awesome. And now having computers, heck, you know, um, the Coco has a, a, a planet chart thing and um, Curtis's EOU programs in there. And um, the PC has modern day, you know, um, planetariums and stuff with all kinds of interesting <laughs> things in there. And uh, we have um, we have a smart Alec comment in the live chat, Ron from Ken what? Reichert. He goes, "I thought Ron would get an abacus." <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it, but I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> My first Christmas, I got a stone tablet and a chisel, and I was happy. Damn it! <laughs> I, I was going to ask about the sundial I got for Christmas. I did use a, a slide roll. A slide cool. roll. You can't go wrong with yep. that, man. Yep. The yellow metal one? <laughs> yeah, it's, it was white, and it came in a little case. Ron, was your and, first car one of those Flintstone cars? No. <laughs> and we're from Athens. There are a lot of us here who are far from spring chickens, right? So, uh, yeah. Uh, he's got one. Awesome. Alan. Alan Murphy's got one. Oh, he's got a slide roll. All right. You got a pocket protector to go with that? Hmm. I think I might have a slide <laughs> whistle. I got, I got a pile of slide rolls. <laughs> a slide Oh, dear God, this thing is going off the rails. Uh, <laughs> Mark Bosley, our backup streamer and engineer. Any holiday cheer and memories and anything going on here last year, next year? You have no fond holiday memories of your entire life. Well, there was there was that there was that one time where you had to run the stream because the internet was all wonky and we were doing a Christmas <laughs> we were doing a Christmas show the day after Christmas Did and everything a, still went wrong. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did you ever get a Red Rider BB gun? Anything like that? No. So. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, this segment's oh, going yeah. going south fast. And before I waste any time, does anybody have anything else they like to say that's in the theme of holidays and happiness? Oh, yes. Happiness oh. and holidays. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, back when, strangely enough, 1984, it seems to be a theme. Um, yeah, my parents got me the uh, uh, fully upgraded Coco 2 64K of RAM. And of course, I think two of uh, the Sesame Street cassette games and the CCR82 cassette deck. And I, I, I played the crap out of Taxi. I did not care for Big Bird Special Delivery. That was kind of a letdown. But, you know, it is what it is. All right, so in this segment on David Ladd Reviews, the uh, Big Bird's <laughs> uh, thing, yes. I oh, lost our game a... next week. Oh, you ruined it. <laughs> I thought it was uh, Color Script Set. Oh, my goodness. I do have one quick, quick one. Um, 
1981 Christmas. So I just bought my Coco one 4K. Uh, what was it? Early fall, so probably about September. And my mom and dad as a bit of a prank because they knew I wanted computer stuff, whatever it was, you know, games, peripherals, whatever. So on the Christmas tree, they had a fairly, you know, decent sized box. And when they opened it up, the wrapping paper, it was a shoe box. I figured, oh, great. They bought me shoes. Yay hoo. And then when I open up the box, there's a couple of flat laid outs, pairs of socks. And oh, geez, socks and shoes both. And you lift up the socks. There's two Black Beauty joysticks in there. So oh, they fooled me. that was Yay. sneaky. That, that was actually a good one. I got that a rock. Sneaky. I got a rock. Yeah. <laughs> I remember doing a Christmas demo on my Coco. I did the graphics part where I did a Christmas tree out of like semi-graphics blocks, you know, real simple stuff. And then my dad, who is musical, musically inclined, he helped me interpret because this was, I had regular basic and I didn't have extended basic, so I couldn't use the play command. So we, did, we had to use the sound command and we had individual sounds for every single notes and we played jingle bells or whatever. It was a Christmas song. And I didn't even know about four next loops at that point in time. So in order for it to play twice, we had to encode in the sound this, comma this. And so we did the whole song twice and it was just a spit ton of sound statements. But it was a thing where it had a semi-graphics Christmas tree with a big square yellow star on top of it. And it was green and it had, a, you know, the trunk. Maybe we had presents. I don't remember. Maybe I had little decorations like little balls or lights on the tree or something but it was a little homemade christmas tree with homemade christmas music that my you know it's like a father-son project on the coco in the early days of my coco probably like 81 ish uh obviously don't have it anymore but that is a christmas memory and a coco christmas memory so there you go yeah i remember my friend who introduced me to the coco the one i um Originally, I wanted to buy an MC10, and he talked me to get a Coco instead. Um, he he wrote a program. He also used the sound statements. I don't remember why, because uh, I'm sure he had extended basic. But he wrote me a, a a little Christmas tree program with sound statements. And I thought I hadn't really programmed that much yet at my point. So I thought that was just like the coolest thing. You know, said my name, and I was like, I was in awe. <laughs> awesome. Because of course it had my name in it, and you know how I love my name. So yeah, that, that tradition continues. Yes, that's probably where it came <laughs> from. <laughs> I'm really yeah. not an egotistical guy. <laughs> not at all. No. Sure. But, if I have to say, but if I have to say it, then maybe I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a narcissist, but I play one on YouTube. Exactly. <laughs> wow. I need to re-examine my life. Yeah. No, I mean, I was just, I'm, I'm going to get nostalgic to last week where I was nostalgic about this past year, because this has been an, an incredible year, I think, for, you know, despite COVID in real life, I think the Cocoa Hobby has been, it's been a good year for the Cocoa this year when I was just, uh, and honestly, like the newsletter where we tried to encapsulate all that, I got a lot of very positive feedback on the newsletter, everybody who's seen it, and, 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 and most of this feedback came from the mailing list, which you know, you never hear anything positive on the mailing list, right? So the fact that there were like a half a dozen glowing reviews, like, man, this is great. And, you know, all these kind of things. So I know last week I was kind of waxing poetic about that, but, you know, it was it just like, everything kind of caught up at once where we did the year end review of um, of the newsletter. And in that I was kind of looking at the year end review of what we've done this year on Coco Talk and what has been covered on Coco Crew. And, and the news and the year end news summary. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened this year. And so there's, you know, I think we have a lot to be positive for, a lot to be thankful for the fact we get together every week and we're here and we're friends and, and uh, we're trying to spread joy in our hobby all year long and all these things. So I, sometimes you got to find the good 
in the middle of the not so good. And I think we've managed to do here with our hobbies and with our community. And so I'm thankful and grateful for that. And, um, and that was without an, uh, in present, you know, handshake, yeah, close yeah, to close, yeah. uh, cocoa fest. We didn't even have one. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I know, cause when I was going through putting together the links and I looked again at that virtual cocoa fest that we're doing, I don't sound like a narcissist, but that show came together. That show was um, as far. And again, I'm, this is a biased statement, but uh, what I feel to be a humbly true one, I think that virtual Cocoa Fest was probably one of the highlights of the year for this entire year. Awesome. Um, it was just a ton of stuff was was done and, and it just the perfect storm of all the planets aligning and, and it just went off without a hitch, unlike today's show. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of amazing things that have happened this year and uh, and I'm looking forward to to more. Right. So. <laughs> and, and, and it didn't feel like a six-hour show either. I mean, it yeah, was the yeah. longest one we've ever done, but it was great. Maybe we should have Lorbieski's dumpster fire on more often. <laughs> Rob says that Rob Inman says Simon's camera needs a retro brightening. <laughs> the lighting is a little yellow there. Is that what you're saying there, Rob? <laughs> Also, Stevie, going along with your, your comments on, on the feedback you got in the newsletter, uh, I mean, EOU Beta 6 has only been out for a couple of days now, but we've had the same same thing, a lot of really positive feedback. There's a few minor glitches or questions or something like that, too, but it's it's amazing that we've had, you know, some of the stuff that I basically added on as a hack job to get something done has actually become some of the most popular features and stuff like that. Like, it's a lot of unexpectedness, kind of like you know, the, the virtual Cocoa Fest was and, and the newsletter getting so much feedback positive from the, the Cocoa list. So we yeah. had kind of the same experience. It's awesome. But it has been a great year for the Cocoa. I mean, there's been a ton of new software. I mean, Nick Marini's has been programming up a storm. You know, he, I think next year he's going for a six pack. He's going to try to get six games done in one year. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> and then the year after uh, that, it'll go for six good ones. But um... Subtandy was a real boon for the Cocoa yeah, this year. Yeah, actually, that's Absolutely. another surprise. Yeah. Because um, Tandy, the previous year we had a couple Coco mentions. This year it was like gangbusters. Yeah, I think also Discord has also helped get the community together on the voice yes. level of uh, getting us discussing stuff that normally probably wouldn't happen in this uh, unfortunate uh, restricted time of separation. Um, yeah, yeah. We had a few great people join us from other Coco related communities like Canadian Retro Things and Amigos Retro Gaming, AC's 8 Bit Zone, uh, Buck Owens, and yeah, too many yeah. to mention. 8 Bits in the Basement. Yeah, all there's the, a ton of them. All the great people we picked up from different communities, partly because of Subtandy, I believe, in some cases. Um, so, yeah, our community has been uh, thriving this year. Yeah, Discord was an uh, just like this show. It's, it was an unexpected kind of runaway success. We we started that Discord pr initially as an extension of the show where we could just chat during the week to stay in communication as from a kind of like planning for the show. And so it was kind of internalized, although it was never private or closed. It was just mostly um, us having places to talk about another the show forum, it, uh, our own little forum, and it just it's continue to grow and, and and so at that point it's like well 
you know, it's people are using it, people are on it, let's not restrict it. And it's just, it's just become its own thing. I don't have time to digest one tenth of what's going on in that discord. There's so many different channels and so many different topics. There's something for everybody. There's a lot of stuff for nobody, you know, so um, <laughs> <laughs> much like this show. Yeah. So yeah, the discord has been a great tool. As a matter of fact, I I'm, I'm way behind on doing the weekly who was no, new to discord this week. So I did record one this morning, hopefully, Mark, you have that one queued up, but a lot of people have been coming and some of the people who come in and say, yeah, I was actually doing a search for something and I came across Cocoa Talk and I came across Dick. So people are finding us and just in their searching for the Cocoa and it's become a great resource to the community. And so, um, again, there's just things that are happening that are we're unexpected, but we all win. Everybody benefits from that by just having these things out there. Um, so, yeah, Discord, another another cool tool that we continue to hopefully better utilize um cool stuff um well ken waters what does crt mean canadian retro things oh <laughs> he's a world famous youtube personality superstar so yeah i hope i was no, hoping it was don't know my Coco retread. My real name. <laughs> 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 secondhand tire shop was coming. <laughs> uh uh anybody else have any stories they want to share holiday cheer or maybe we'll move on and we'll well, ken was going to say something are we going to say something ken oh uh, not really oh. go ahead anything you're I just cheerful for I, this year well i guess for uh coco memories um my i don't know about 83 or 84 in there i was always hanging out at radio shack and i really wanted an rc car and my parents caught me a computer instead <laughs> did they at so, least get you a car a racing game with it or something then <laughs> no no they didn't and that they reminds me of the computer the the year i was saving money to get my cocoa because i had to i had to get a part-time job and it just sign of the times back in 1981 minimum wage was three dollars and 35 cents an hour wow so, that's a lot of money you know, yeah so if you work part-time and you worked you know four hours after school or something you made like 12 bucks a day you know, and so just imagine, you know, how many $12 per day things you had to do to add up to buy your $500, $600 cocoa. It took a while, but I'm saving my money. And at the time, the other big thing that all the cool kids were doing besides computers was mopeds. So all the cool kids on the block had a moped. And so when you're like, when you're not even driving age, that was a way to become empowered and get around and hang out was to get on your moped and drive around and go to school and hang out with your buddies because you didn't need a driver's license to ride this thing. So I could have gotten a moped and I don't know that I would be the person I am today had I gotten a moped instead of a Coco. <laughs> I don't think we'd be hosting moped talk right now. You know? so. not. <laughs> Actually, I had a similar story for saving up for my first Coco too. Except mine, mine took two years with a paper route because I, when I got into the computers at school, we had the pet at first. I thought, oh, I want to buy a pet. So I started saving up money from the paper route. And then I, the Apple II came to school the next year, 1980, and oh, oh, color. Oh, wow, this is awesome. And then I saw the price, and oh, geez, I really got to start delivering papers now. <laughs> and then, you know, another year later, yeah. I, I discovered the Cocoa and Radio Shack and said, hey, this is like a quarter of the price or a third of the price of the Apple, and it's got a better basic and stuff. So that's what I ended up buying. It was just kind of, it was it was lucky that it took me two years to save up enough to get a Cocoa. Otherwise, I probably would have got a pet or an Apple II. Cool. Uh, no offense, Mark. Yeah, speaking of Discord, before we go to the next break, um, Mark Bosley, you want to run that new to Discord spot? Um, if we're not, if 
nobody else has any more Christmas cheer to share, then we'll we'll maybe run the new to Discord spot and then get into the game on stuff. <laughs> hey Curtis, hey, yep. I totally understand because like my first Apple II, I was a half owner. My my friend was the other half oh, owner. Geez. You were on a timeshare. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's the only way to swing the apple was to own part of it. It's time for everyone's favorite segment. Who's new to Discord this week? Please welcome Allison. She's been into the Coco since 1980 and enjoys fixing, upgrading, and basic programming. Glendo72 claims to have one of the largest collections pertaining to the Coco and MC10. Recycle Mikey hadn't touched a Coco since 83, but recently got a Coco 1. Comrade Todd found us by searching for fixing his keyboard ribbon. Mad Builder Tex is a TRS-80 fan from back into the 80s. He's getting back into the hobby and owns seven several vintage systems. Fade got a Coco 2 as a kid and is getting back into the 6809. D-Baser started with the ZX81, came across Coco Talk, got the gears turning, and is looking to learn more. Raven Wolf had a Coco 35 years ago, recently got a Coco 2 along with a souped-up Coco 3, which was upgraded to the 6309 and 2 megabytes. Trey Tome learned to program on the Coco 3, is setting up a Coco Pie, and is looking to learn more. SC Coco 1 had a Coco since 85, is getting back into hardware, and is using the SDC and Pi Drivewire. Tom Heron started with the ZX80 and 81, then got into Cocos. He attended Coco Fest in 2018 and 2019. Amiga Forever is a fan of retro emulation and retro gaming. Alpha 66, a fan of the 6809. Saint Cube is a Spanish retro enthusiast using the Coco Pi, mainly for the Dragon emulation. Slore is into a variety of retro systems and spent a good time with the MC-10. And as always, a special thank to Voice on Tech, our Coco Talk patrons, David Ladd, Jim Rye, Paul Fiscarelli, Rob Inman, and Terry Steggy for boosting the Discord server. Join us on Discord at discord.cocotalk.live. See y'all on Discord! And now... Jeez, we got 50 Coco people Thoughts. on YouTube. Wow. By Samuel Gimes. Brewmaster, he's the man, the man who serves way too much, a lot too much, such a brewmaster, beckons you to enter his place of gin. And you go in. Golden ale he I'm will pour in your glass. Yeah, when he slings it, don't let the mug pass. You turn your back and the new drink missed you. You have caused a death for Mr. Brewmaster. Customer, take heed of his ale of gold. His beer's ice cold. Golden ale he will pour in your mug. 
but you act like you are a common thug. Get to the bars and and cause a big stir. It's another death for Mr. Brewmaster. Customer, beware of his ale of gold. <laughs> his beer's ice cold. Where's the part where they get the, the woman gets painted gold? His beer's always cold. <laughs> Super cold. Always cold. He loves it cold. Mighty cold. It's wow. served cold. High score challenge. Alright, and welcome to another oh, week of results. This God, week that. we played Brewmaster oh, with 19 baby. scores yeah. submitted. Yeah, Adam Tazzy Dragon that. Guy, 675. Mr. Dave, 725. Yeah, David Ladd, 2,025. Jim Rye, 2,625. Marcy, 3,500. Cat Lord, 4,100. Nathan, 4,950. 8 Bits in the Basement, 8,425. Me, 13,375. Tasman, 13,525. Canadian Retro Things, 13,550. Paul Shoemaker, 29,875. David Craker, 37,575. Just Mike, 57,600. Sloopy, 65,825. AC's 8-Bit Zone, 85,150. Redbeard, 189,875. Coco Man, 294,800. And the number one score this week belongs to Buck Owens. Welcome back. 309,225. Excellent score. Coco Man. Thank you for all the great submissions this week. Coco Talk salutes Buck Owens. All right. All right. So yeah, Did we, we ever a, leave. Nice to see Buck Owens back. Nice to see Buck Owens back on top there. Uh, yeah, speak for I, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't oh, have wow. any more time to do it again. So now, was there a minus sign missing from your score, Coco Man? Because you know, it was actually it was actually a positive whole number. It was oh that wow, was a real score. It was just it was just very time consuming with the holiday. I didn't. I, I did that, and then I saw Buck Owens, and I just didn't have time to redo it. But I I, I could have beat him, but I just didn't have the time. Well, I would have been happy to have you win. I, I'm just. Uh... All right. So, can you guys see my my screen? Should be coming up. Um, Slowly. Wait this is starting. There we go. There yep. All right. So I couldn't find much information on this game. I don't. I, it wasn't in the rainbow uh, index anyway. So I don't have any scores or reviews to report. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. I'm surprised. Yeah, me too. I don't know. 
So anyway, this is the gameplay video uh, submitted uh, by a Canadian Canadian Retro Things, who again he did he covered the Coco Talk uh, game on his channel. So you, um, so thank you Can Canadian Retro Things as usual for your video for your video uh, playthroughs. You need so, to update um, your VCC to get the better colors, man. Yeah. <laughs> so this was a request. It turns out uh, Grant Leedy had requested this game among among there may have been others. I, I apologize. Oh, you know why? Because he's thinking of the root beer version of this game because he did spill root beer in um and <laughs> Richard Orbiaski's truck. Yeah. truck at, yeah, that's yeah. right. So, yeah. So that's the bonus <laughs> level. You have to spill yeah. root beer in a minivan. <laughs> So this was a game, so you may have heard us talking a little bit over the, uh, this was a game obviously based on Tapper and then later Root Beer Tapper because apparently parents did not like the beer in the games back then. Or the big um, Budweiser ad. And the Budweiser ad and the Dancing <laughs> Girls, um, which this version doesn't have. And also in the arcade, there were more levels than just a bar. You ended up the second round, you were an outdoor. Or like event. a ballpark area or something. But this version only has the bars um so yeah it's a it's a good game there were things that were definitely annoying about it the fact you could lose lives and bonus level was particularly uh, uh weird um and i don't know the rhyme or reason for that. i don't know if it was just if you didn't pass the bonus level or and, and the bonus level is where cans are shaking you gotta pick the one it's not so i don't know if you lost a life only if you didn't guess the right one or if you always lost a life but that was definitely off-putting so for the purposes of our score challenge, the best strategy was actually to stay on the lower level and just keep serving beer because you wouldn't lose a life in the bonus level and you could and you could milk pretty much as long as you wanted. So I believe some people did use that strategy. Um, but yeah, so I, I enjoyed the game though. It's, uh, it, it's good in short periods of time because it gets a little monotonous, but I thought overall as far as a conversion is concerned i thought this was a really good conversion of the game with the limits that i i mentioned so anybody else have any uh comments on the game i wanted to comment on the bonus round part there um that's actually based on the mckenzie brothers christmas album uh beer hunter game <laughs> if, if you guys are beer familiar hunter. With that, so. that's right <laughs> yeah you don't want to play uh, nightmare highway after this <laughs> oh that's right <laughs> <laughs> After a lot of drinking, get on the nightmare highway, huh? DWI, <laughs> UI, whatever. Which yeah. of those three coaches is the real one? I don't know where to steer. Yeah, I like how when he switches lanes, you see the little swirling effect of where he was, like the yeah cartoon animation of the you know, whoosh, 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 you know, air whip going on there. And uh, as I played, I began to realize when you want to send, like, you got to be careful when the people are facing uh, the back. You can't send a beer down; they won't grab it. And uh, there were some that you want to send two down because they're going to grab one, they're going to slide down the bar, and then we're ready for another one. So you get to know which ones you have to send two at a time to, and which ones you only want to send one to. Yeah, like that <laughs> lady in the third bar is a two-fister. Like most of the Coco Talk panel at Coco Fest. And good, uh, drinkers. Definitely a good Coco clone. To me, I remember playing this one back in the day, and it had what I was looking for in a game a, a decent recreation of an arcade experience. And if it had, you know, four voice music at any point in time, that was always a bonus. You know, so games that had good graphics, decent gameplay, and, um, and music was always a nice trifecta in a Coco title. And this one had all of those things. So. Um, I don't know if anybody in the panel played. Uh, did anybody recognize the songs that were used in this game? 
Uh, oh yeah, you got ninety nine bottles of beer on the yeah, wall. Oh, Susanna yeah, was title music, right? And what about and, when you uh, died? Oh, oh, Susanna, you had that. Uh, and when, and you, when died. you died? Oh, I think how that was dr- the Coco Talk theme song. No, how dry, <laughs> I, how dry, how dry I am. I am. <laughs> yes, yes, how dry. So the music was clever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they should have. Um, they should have. We should update this with the theme to Cheers when you're uh, playing this game now. Right? See, that's how I what I thought uh, Gimes was going to do, but I, I can never predict where he's going to. You can't go predict with Gimes. These. I don't think Gimes can predict what Gimes is going to do. No. But, um, he's predicting unpredictable. Nick Morota, was, <laughs> was this one of the Tom Mix Novasoft subsidiary games, the cheaper, cheaper ones? No, uh, was, was it, it Spectralist? I can't remember who it was now. Well, I know it's Tom Mix. I, I just remember. can't remember if it's their Novasoft uh, derivative because that was the guys that that, that oh, the one subdivision right. that that sold games five to ten dollars cheaper than the regular ones like Donkey King and stuff. So I think this actually was a, a bit of a bargain game at the time too, which is nice. Sorry, cool. I'm thinking of the next game that we'll I'll be uh, announcing soon. Yeah, no, this one is, I believe, a Novasoft. Yeah. See, they has bees <laughs> on there for Beer Hunter because that's what you're playing. Right. So well, Karen is asking, can he take a drink every time he hears a Canadian accent? That's almost like the drive wire drinking game. But it's yeah, got to sure. be Molson. <laughs> Go ahead, eh? It's got to be Molson, no. Sure yeah. doesn't be for brew. Well, this one also then later appeared on uh, a T&D software when they started re-releasing all the uh, uh, Tom Mix stuff. Yeah. So. David Craker says, I know I used to have this game, but couldn't find it on my old five and a quarter inch discs. Pretty sure my parents made me delete it because <laughs> you know parents. this is going to lead to drinking right like you i mean yeah. this, this is a it worked in my case game. so maybe yeah dang kids i actually You're canadian made, though curtis I'm, I'm glad my parents never saw my copy of weed master <laughs> <laughs> you, you told them it was about lawn care yes so aaron yeah. aaron from amigos retro gaming said it was a solid really solid coco game great clone i agree it is a really it is a really good clone you know it would have been nice if they could have done the uh, different scenery but yeah uh, yeah because i i don't even remember seeing the outdoor segments in the real arcade but i i did have a flashback to seeing it in the um coleco vision version i think the coleco vision yeah this had the outdoor like where you're i seem to remember like umbrellas like that yeah there were umbrellas and yeah and you were and and i believe you were you were uh, serving from beer little uh, carts yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, did any of you guys sniff any airplane glue, man? <laughs> looks like, looks like you picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, Nick Marotta, was this game was this game thirty two k required or sixteen k required? Oh, know? I can't remember. I'm just wondering, maybe if he was trying to keep it down to a lower minimum RAM size so that more people could buy it and play it, that maybe that's why he didn't do the full, you know, the extra levels and stuff. There's a website, El Curtis Boyle. He might have information on. Uh, yeah, my... I don't want to talk to that loser. <laughs> uh, I mean, he just threw three drinks at the fat lady down there. She just got her set. Oh, and then one broke. Okay. Oh. All right. Bummer. Did yeah. um... she looked like she could have pound down a third one? She had. Oh it. yeah, she's good for. <laughs> she's good for a few. <laughs> you said you said Nick, you didn't find any uh, rainbow scoreboard for this one, or? Well, I didn't find it in the searchable index. Okay. Why did you find one? I found one, but there's just one, and this is this is this is later on. It's the January 1989 edition, and it's just one score of 
51,925 Wendy Straub from Moundsville, West Virginia. That's the only one listed in that issue. Well, that's definitely doable because our top score beat Yeah, Wendy, if you're still out there, just jump on the call real quick. We'd love to hear from you. Um, (laughs) Do you have a drinking problem today? I don't know. I don't know. Moundsville, West Virginia is only about an hour or so away from here. I've been been there to Moundsville, West Virginia. They have a big lots and a Walmart, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, and a, a McDon- one of those McDonald's, if you've Is heard that of in the tour guide when you get those little pamphlets that uh, make sure you stop by the Big Lats mm-hmm. and the Walmart? <laughs> well, and actually in Moundsville, there's also the, uh, there's a uh, penitentiary, an old penitentiary that they give tours and, uh, and there's an, and there's a Native American mound, hence the name of the town, Moundsville. Mm. Oh, Aaron is saying that it's a football stadium. A football a, stadium. A level. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. With a blimp. Yeah. On the, the arcade. Yeah, absolutely. Because I actually did get to that, I think, uh, at the arcade either you know recently here whether we were at the galloping ghost or if it was the arcade uh, here in the local area that has all those old games i wonder if you can find this game for your adam uh, kokoman oh if it's a, if there's a ColecoVision game I, my adam will play ColecoVision cartridges so absolutely i'll have to look for that because i think yeah i think yeah the ColecoVision version was uh, really good i think it was more complete I'll have to I'll have to be on the lookout for that one. I don't think I saw that at the uh, the uh, little used video game store last time I was there. I'll have to. Uh, look you need for to get the online. Atari Max cart where you can run it all off of SD, man. That would be, be one and They done. have one for the Coleco. Oh yeah, it's Atari Max Ooh. cartridge. What it's called? Oh, yeah. like the like the Harmony. It's similar yeah, like to the, the Harmony cart. Yeah, yeah like it's like a Harmony for, for that. Yeah. Yeah, John's mentioning uh, John from uh, the Amigos. There's mentioning there's a third area in the arcade version of Punk Bar. Oh, I never made it that far. No, oh, I did yeah. not know yeah, that. Punk. Yeah, punk. So what you have to ask yourself is, do you feel lucky? Do punk. You? punk. <laughs> I'm assuming the arcade version didn't have that penalizing for the bonus level. That might, uh, I, what I, happened? I to the, what What was the part of you the lose a level? You lose a beer. I believe that was pile. the Canadian pun- pronunciation of uh, penalizing. Penal, whatever, penal, yeah, penal. No, that, that's not the penal code, the penalizing. Well, also I noticed when you were, if you went into the bonus round with more than four lives, you 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 would go down to four lives automatically. Yeah. Was it oh, only I when you had four? Assumed, huh? I, I, I would have like six. I would go in and I would get knocked down to four. Like uh, so, that's, that's if, if that was the case, I would make sure I'd go die and make sure I only had four or five lives left before I went into the bonus round. Mm. For the principal, but you, so you didn't lose one if you had less than four. I, I remember uh, I had I had no lives. Them. Yeah, you would lose them, but yeah. you wouldn't. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was crazy. Because I actually weird. died on a bonus level because I didn't guess I didn't guess properly and I only had one life left when I went in, and I died and I, I was like what. Lose- life if you if you guess the wrong camp i don't know what yeah, that, i don't know that, what the rhyme of reason is yeah that makes no sense to lose a life in a bonus on a bonus round, round yeah no yeah. it doesn't so, so yeah that was uh i don't remember if you if, if doing that back a day but and there was a patch for this too wasn't there and i patched it and patched that huh and it was an rgb patch oh um, yeah that's right chat chat or not chat um i'm coco no, I, I found an old rgb patch for it in basic and uh no yeah so just a palette hack. It wasn't like it was. Yeah. It was a. It was. A, it was some uh, ML. No, I didn't write it. It was a. It was a. 
it was an adapted patch it was in i think february 88 rainbow it was for a bunch of things and i just went ahead and made it just load you know so it would just load that program automatically but yeah. robin it's like palette change make it robin a is mentioning that uh, buck owens had some criticisms of the game in discord so I don't know oh yes he aired that. some major grievances okay, he didn't grievances. like yeah, he didn't like the fact you could milk on the early levels, but I mean, there are other games where you can do that too. Wasn't Did he uh, find the Grievances channel? Because I think we have a channel for Grievances, don't well, we? Well, the 23rd, <laughs> oh, don't give was, any ideas. The 23rd was Festivus, and that was the uh, Grievances. Oh, yeah, here's some. I found some more uh, high school. Now, if he was serving eggnog, as much as I like eggnog, it's pretty heavy. So I don't think anybody could be down in like three whole mugs of eggnog. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, no, it's that's, root beer tapper. Oh, yeah. Tires, or I don't know what kind of root beer you guys have down there. A and W. A and W. W and W. Okay. W W W. And the Migos are saying that the Atari 8-bit version of Tapper is quite good and has adjustable difficulty, which is nice. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, I got you. I got you guys' names right on the uh, Patreon uh, intro. So hopefully, I don't know if you guys caught that, but I got that. Finally, got that fixed. About time you get it right, Stevie. Yeah, I know. Listen, it's Christmas. <laughs> just, just, just give, give him a year. He'll get, he'll get yeah. it right eventually. It was a Christmas miracle. Yeah, good game. Yeah. Good game. I yeah. didn't play it. I didn't play it this week, but I like this game. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I found some more. I found some more high scores. Uh, uh from, uh, uh, what was this? November. Are, are you bucking for my job? No, I'm not bucking <laughs> for your job. I'm, just, I'm sorry. No, I'm he's just, just doing, doing it properly. That's I'm just all. doing oh. your job for you, Nico. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you, Coco Man. Thank you. I know. I'm just. I'm just giving you a hard time here. This is. This is from the November 1985. So I went back a little further, and the high. The high score was 279,600. Wow. From uh, Alan Drazen, it looks like Longwood, Florida. And oh, um, wow. see, I can believe that because if you you can milk, I mean, I, I imagine the score. The sky's the limit. You can milk this first oh, level yeah. as long as you want so. it's just a matter of how much time and you know you can pause it but after a while it doesn't uh, eventually i didn't make my way up into the higher levels and then i was just done it was just like pfft, done over actually curtis had a question for you in in uh, discord you said uh it'd be boring milking it was that your opinion of the whole game or just milking the first level no just in any game that you just sit there and milk for points and it takes forever and you're not progressing levels to me, it gets okay. boring after a while. Like that's not the way I play games. I wasn't sure if this was just not your type of game. What about not. the game that's called milking? That the object of the game is to milk. Is that not to milk the... cows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that should be written. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nick Morenti, I don't know if his 2021 uh, game uh, uh, game development schedule is full yet, but we need a cow milking game. Yeah, it's called mil the game... milking SG. So it'll be a nice. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, the game is is more fun than milking an actual cow yes yeah. i've done that once only once at a, at a at a state fair and i was okay i've done it i'm done this is awful yeah can you imagine that it just take pipes and make them udders and you have to get the udders arranged where it actually flows the milk into the oh bucket. my gosh it's like if you try to milk a real cow in the wild you have to worry about them getting ticked off and kicking you so that actually is a bit of a challenge so it's or tricky, stepping tricky. on your foot yep I've had that happened to me are beer nuts different than regular nuts <laughs> well you know the difference oh, i won't say this joke on here <laughs> oh, come on. next okay the difference between beer nuts and deer nuts uh okay uh, beer, beer nuts one? are three for a dollar and deer nuts are under a buck oh but on bomb but on bomb 
All right. I mean, I, I was just right. really hanging under the tree. Oh, yeah. It's are, we ready to, are we ready to move on? Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> what's the next game? So, anybody have any next, tips? Next game is pull my finger. <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, if you're going for score, you milk the first level. Otherwise, you're just, uh, you know, know the characters you have to send to. And when you talk and... about milking, you're talking about just letting them keep coming out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they'll keep coming as long as you don't clear the level. Like, as long as you, okay. let, you know. As long as you keep one, at least one person at a bar. Well, after a while, they'll clear off and they won't come back after so long. So uh, you should be able to do it for a while, yeah. though. Yeah, it's sometimes you want to get off the level and they just keep coming and coming and coming and it gets frustrating because yeah. you get one person coming on that's looking at the back so, wall and you got to wait for them quite, here's a hypothetical question let's just say you know if, 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 if this was like make a wish and you could wish for something and it'd be granted would anybody want to see a coco three version of this with more colors and everything yeah else? and all the, yeah. And the levels that are missing yeah and that'd be awesome levels. yeah nick yeah. Marantes, mm. get on that <laughs> Uh, you can make it Vegemite. Vegemite Tapper. You can put a big and Foster's logo in the background. Oh, Foster's. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There you go. How to speak Australian. Small can. Uh, <laughs> small can of Foster's. They small have those? Can. Yeah. Yeah, it's only like 98 ounces, right? So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, John mentions, he said, you can milk points forever on any on level of Tapper. It's not advantageous in the arcade version, though, because patrons at the higher levels are worth more points. So your score will go up slower if you milk it, though you can. Oh, I'm sure the arcade home owners would hate that, too, because they wanted you out of there in like three minutes. Yeah, they want you to put more quarters in it. Hmm. Good game though. Good game for the Coco. Oh, yeah. One, one yeah sorry, I didn't have time to play it either. But uh... yeah, one of my favorites from back in the day, even. So I, I spent that. yeah, I spent all month making fun of Nitrous Nine. I had no time to actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say it's probably best played with a digital joystick. Yes. So, so if you have a again, digital joystick adapter, then that's that's the way to go. Thanks again to Canadian Retro Things for your gameplay, and thanks to Grant. And those others who mentioned this as a, as a uh, game, I like to take suggestions. In fact, this next game is also a suggestion. Ooh, I will mention too, Frodo, Frodo made a video too, and I had a score, but he forgot to submit it till after the deadline, so. Oh, did he submit the video? I, must, I might have missed that. If I did, I apologize. It was part of his, one of his live streams. He's doing a lot of live streams on Twitch lately, and he's, he's thrown in Coco there a few times, which is cool. Thank you, Frodo. So hopefully this next game will entice Stevie Stroh, as this is actually his suggestion. It wasn't really uh, we'll have to see if anybody uh, can recognize this game. Color scripts it too. No, I'm just Ooh, kidding. This is the Star Dave Shadows. That's Star right. Spores. Yes. Star Spores. Okay. So yes. we had this game. We had the actual author on this uh, for this game on about three or four episodes ago. And uh, we had a, he was a guest. And that's where I got introduced to this game. And I tried yeah. it out. And it's actually yeah. a great game. It's very, very good. One that escaped my, uh, my, uh, my, my history now he's so, quite uh, active in discord have you tried contacting him nick to see if you can guess next week to discuss the game or uh i have not uh you can go ahead if you want to do that you already have a communication with him going maybe uh either um, that or we're gonna to have to have ron delvo have <laughs> have lunch with him i yeah. thought you want to control over your segment of the show nick i don't understand this is our segment enough, uh... this is we're, we're co-hosts <laughs> that means i can slough off the stuff i'm not as good at anyway i don't care i don't mind uh -huh. oh the gameplay okay gotcha Oh boy. <laughs> what was your score again? You were too quote busy. Anyway, uh, so this is our game for next week. Well, I didn't week. want to embarrass you guys with such a high score either. So mm -hmm. 
uh, basic shooter, but it's got uh, it's it's cool because the enemies actually change as you shoot them, and yeah, uh, and it's uh, yeah, it's a great game. So hopefully, uh, you guys will take uh, take to this game, and um, and we'll see if we can get Dave on next week to discuss it. Yeah, that'd be great. Who else is uh, hearing Brewmaster? David is aware that this game will be game on game. Uh, not this week. We had asked him when he was on if he uh, and he's, he was happy to have it as our game on challenge. It'd be really great RG? if you want to take part. Maybe yeah. we should tell him and see if he wants to submit a score. Is there an RGB uh, patch for this? Don't know. Okay, I'll look into it. See All if that right. program I use worked. So mm-hmm. thank uh, you. If you find the Spectral Associates RGB patch program, which I think is on the archive, it should handle this one. I think. So thank you, Stevie. Thank you, everybody who submitted scores this week, and uh, we'll see you next week. So I'm 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 almost obligated to play this game this week. <laughs> well, I wasn't trying to guilt trip you, but yes. Well, you need but to. Yes. That's yeah. that's about the only way to motivate me. Stevie Sto- Stroh participation required. Required. Man, yeah, this is going to. I think you even mentioned be, it last week. This is going to be worth again. 75% of your final grade. Oh, excellent. I think oh, you mentioned it to me off the air, like in, during the week again, that you wanted this game to be game of the week. So, yeah, you definitely have to. Okay. Maybe. Download the latest version from CompuServe. <laughs> and we'll get Way to put uh, him on the spot. Maybe after the new, maybe after Game On News, before we go into news news, we've been joined by Tom uh, Heron. Hey Tom, Merry Christmas. And Tom, you're muted, but yeah, we'll, hello. Hey, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Thanks for the the link. Yeah, good to see you. And uh, I remember meeting Tom at Coco Fest a couple of years ago. He was walking around from yep. notebook, taking notes on everything. He wanted to know everything about everything. I thought that was awesome. Was it his uncle we touched at the Coco Fest? If I'm not mistaken, too, Tom, I think you're the one who donated the photograph of the pristine CM8 that Tim Linder used to create the bezel for MAME, too. I think you were the, uh, the, the yeah. child for that, yeah. I've got a Coco 3 and the CM8. It's up up on the top of that shelf up there somewhere. Oh, yeah. that should that should be plugged in. Yeah, yeah I know. I gotta get it set up. <laughs> well, yeah well welcome and hopefully in a little bit we, if you're going to be around when we get back to you we'll play this is your life we'll get to learn a little bit more about you but we appreciate okay. you being here today all um, right thanks excellent excellent so good game we know what next week's game is now do we have game on news to discuss yes we do did you want to do that or do you want a commercial break first because i don't no, think we no, have one yet no, no commercial break Nope, straight into it. Oh, come on. Straight man. into this. Uh, well, Ron, Ron, go potty. Come we're on, talking, we're come talking on. about games. You're not interested in oh, games. Yeah, go potty. Yes. <laughs> come on. Okay. Hey, you guys seen that? Yes, Cuthbert Dragon. Hey, so Cuthbert Dragon, as usual, had a busy week. I think he had 18 gameplays this week. Um, and he's got some with the actual original artwork again, as you can see on the, the you know thumbnails here. He's got uh, like the Dark Pit and you know Let's Count and Hide and Seek, which are educational games, Arcadia, <clears throat> which are uniquely dragon games. <clears throat> and then he also has some, um, you know, cross ports like Shark Treasure that was originally by Computerware, mm-hmm. Ghost Attack, which is a... Uh, version of pack attack just renamed i guess i'm not quite sure why they did that but uh, one thing i found is that there's a couple of these games that are the platformers and these are the cross-platform platformers from europe and the uk like um 
screaming ab dabs and stuff like that. He's actually quite good at these air balls. Another one, like I've tried playing some of these games and I can't get past like two or three screens and he actually knows what he's doing. So his oh. videos, even though they're only they're three minutes long, he skip, skips between levels and you can actually see like how to properly do some of this stuff, which is kind of educational. So I might try to revisit some of these now that I'm kind of getting an idea for what he, what you have to do. And he's got a one or two that I had not seen before. Like Froglet is a, a Frogger clone, obviously, but it, uh, instead of jumping on logs and, and alligators, you're actually jumping on almost looks like warships from battleship or something like that mm. across the water. So did you guys want to see one or two of these? Is a... What is the dark pit? Okay. Let's do that one first. <laughs> This is kind of a, a Dungeons and Dragons gauntlet style thing. I think we've seen it before. It's like shock trooper. Is he shooting? You can shoot. You have to get um, the gun, and then you got different colored keys that open different colored locks, and a bunch of baddies and stuff, and treasures and things too. So and it's a pretty huge maze, a lot of different monsters. It was one of the few games that actually supported the Tandy uh, electric book, too. The electric book? I think, is that the proper name for it? I'm trying to remember. It's a fairly rare peripheral that Radio Shack. So it was usually used for educational stuff, but this, okay. this game actually used it. It's electric. Boogie, 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 boogie. <laughs> I remember it plugged into the joystick port and then had pressable buttons inside the book pages. Oh, can... like the electric I, I, comic I, book or whatever it's called. Electric I've seen coloring those book at Coco yeah. Fest, yes. Yeah. So you need certain keys to open up certain padlocks. Yeah, like yellow keys of... open yellow padlocks and red so it keys open red has a little bit of padlock. that time bandit um, toot and common flavor to it. Right? Yeah. Shock trooper, time bandit, toot and common. Um, and of course you run out of power after a while too. So, But it's a pretty large maze. So I mean, there's a lot of gameplay and you learn, you know, you should do things in certain orders, you know, to get through better. <clears throat> like you said, he's yeah. actually really good at these games. He's playing on real hardware. Obviously, he's played them before back in the day. So he's mm -hmm. able to show a lot of levels that I've never seen on some of these games. So, Yeah, it's got a very AGD kind of ZX Spectrum vibe for a lot of these games. It's had the things that worked on a slow trajectory and went back and forth. And you kind of had to time your movement yeah. between those um, vertexes of their moving. So I look at the sad face made out of bricks. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I like that one, that one bullet yeah, keeps going effects, through and just mows Sound effects down. are pretty cool. Simple, you know, real simple beeps and boops, but they purpose of the game. Yeah, it's a pretty cool little game. And then I'll just show you Airball, because that's a game that I'm, I know a few of us have tried playing it, and we just die all the time. At least I do. But he actually was quite good Master. at this. <laughs> This one was actually advertised for the Coco M. Man, they got the dragon sounding really good these days, don't they? Yeah, I think they borrowed MC10. Yeah, borrowed some MC10. Oh, this looks like Knight's Lore. This looks a lot like Knight's Lore, the isometricness of it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think it is, is basically the same engine, but I, like I said, I usually just jump around and die in here, but he's actually good enough. I didn't realize you had to pump your ball full of air. That's what that carrying pressure is. Oh. So you have to go back to that center point, hop on the top and recharge, but not oh. too long or you blow up. Oh, wow. Do not over pump your ball. All right. The wizard. Yeah, let that be a lesson for all. Yeah. I got some four voice music going on there. 
This is so totally Knights lore looking that it's like... Uh, I'm not even sure which one came out first because I'm pretty sure they share the same graphics engine. Yeah, yeah. Brewmaster. And you gotta oh, like jump over those spikes. Yeah, jump over the spikes. spikes. Very important you don't pop your ball. Oh, it's <laughs> going around the stuff. Oh, there's a death thing there. Oh, there's lots of death in this game, believe me. Yeah, he's very good at these things. Yeah. That, that's a definitely a nifty looking game. Absolutely. And yep. the, um, is it just my imagination? Or are we seeing a little bit of the PAL artifacting and you get kind yep, of like a little bit of the PAL? A little you bit got of it. The purple. purple shading there to the, uh, yeah, which serves the game well, I feel. You taking notes, Nico? Yeah, Nick. We, we need this on our list. It kind of reminds me of Marble Madness a little tiny bit, you know? And um, so it's kind of like a cross between Marble Madness and, uh, and Night Lore, you know? Really cool, though. I like yeah, it. That's a good one. Absolutely. That's a keeper. <laughs> uh, what was another one that's a bit more unique that he can actually we play saw properly? The dark Pit. Screaming Ab Dabs. That was one I was going to show we've you. Seen, uh, we've seen Geiger uh, Punk do that one, too. Yeah. Yeah, this this one here though he's actually good at it. Okay, yeah. Sometimes Gagrapunk's like, oh, I have he's no like idea. us, you know, just has yeah. no idea what he's doing. This is one that Frodo would play a lot too, I think. Yeah, so it's a style game. Yeah, I actually like that purple pow artifact look. It adds a nice dimension to an otherwise. It's almost like adding a grayscale. Yeah, kind of. Just yeah. say it's, it. It seems to be used a lot for like shading. Yeah, shadowing. Master. I still like the animations on this too, like the now, spinning balls, the rotating screw. How it's breaking? Yes. Lore. Okay, that is a game mechanic. That's not a glitch or anything. Yeah. Dissolving platforms that you have to do it right or you die. Yeah. Look out for that Amiga ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it doesn't come all the way back either. No, you got to learn those patterns too. That that yeah. makes a big difference because you can pause and wait instead There's of getting trounced on. Yeah, I like the big font up top for the score and everything. But really kinda, nice animations. I think. Yeah, this this kind of reminds me too of like early Apple II style games too. You know, it's just uh, or even know, Model One. Yeah, like yep. one bit sound stuff. Yep. And, uh, <clears throat> I like the skulls. Ahead, the animation's really good on all the different characters. That kind of chomping skull is very cool looking yeah like he did smooth animations not <laughs> just the, the like, two yeah, frames tv has got like little antennae and its feet are moving back and forth that's really cool yeah scissors that open and close yeah you got the crabs kind of reminds me a bit of cash man too like with the moving platforms yeah yeah true very true yeah and so this was called screaming abdabs huh? it's a cool name yeah. too. there's there's a few games of this this ilk i guess yes and some of them are Spectrum ports. Um, yeah. I know Frodo's actually demoed a few of them, but playing both the Spectrum version, Cocoa versions back to back, or Dragon versions, I should say. Yeah. But yeah, a ton of screens, a, like a, a kind of a puzzly game where you have to kind of figure out the right order to do things, otherwise you'll yeah. end up dying. Yeah. It's definitely not a quick, you know, I'll take five minutes and try to learn it quick. It's not yeah. one of those. You're going to spend probably five days getting into the rhythm of it, dying frustratingly many times before you finally have some level of competency here. Now those things. Oh, look at that! Look how cool that was. How he was walking through the that thing as it's going up and down. Yeah, man, that's clever. Yeah, it's a good, good little game. That is neat. Bravo! Uh, screaming. Was there any others? I think most of these Master. are. 
most of these are cocoa ones as well. So we've probably seen. I guess I could show you froglet. Just show you how those graphics. Okay, are so we're getting some comparisons to Manic Miner on this on the ZX Spectrum yep. too. Yeah, it is in that that same genre. There's a three yeah. or four games I've seen the dragon that kind of follow that pretty closely. Cuthbert in the cooler is that the one where he's got to rescue the people from the jail or something? Yeah. You got the three different now. screens to go through. You're trying to escape guards and. Oh yeah, this is a neat looking Frogger game. So and you notice it, like the 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 water's in the middle. The water, There's still more cars yeah. to go through, so it's a yeah. bit of a different layout too. Yeah, slightly different. And what does the frog itself look like? That tiny little thing. It's up near the top half right now. Oh, I see it. Okay, there it is. Yep. Also, there's more uh, frog receptacles, if that's what you call them. Yeah, sure. Maybe there's only five in the arcade version. There's six in this one. Okay. You notice the red and the blue? This is a P mode three. Yeah. Yeah, you're coming in super but, hot, Nick. Yeah, I got to turn your mic down a bit there, Nick. Hang on. A little too How's much, veg little too much yeah. Vegemite on the cord there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's got pal artifact in creating yeah. red and blue. Yeah, yeah, like the top is, is not your normal orange. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, because it would normally the be water. cyan and magenta yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Pal, Pal's making that. That's cool. But when it comes to colors, Pal is our Pal. So this <laughs> is the uh, second game I've seen that uses uh, Pal art artifacting for extra colors. Yeah. What's the other one, Donut Dilemma? Yeah. That I thought it was the only one, but there's there's another one. Yeah, well, that 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 particular mode needs all the help it can get. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you now get six colors on the screen now. Yeah, it's like a, it's, it's an Apple II thing right there. Getting that. And I assume that works on uh, the other color set too, the green one. No. Oh, only on the white. Yeah, yeah. It it only works on this mode. Interesting. Well, it works on this mode best. Oh, the Pooey and. Yeah. Yeah, it has, I think it has something to do with, with, with white. Yeah. White, white and dark. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Any of the others you want to see there, Steve? Steve Rasmussen is saying those single screen, pixel perfect jump platforms seem to be a British thing. Remember that impossible Auric game you reviewed <laughs> on ARG? <laughs> impossible Auric? I don't remember that one, but yeah. <laughs> Um, what else we have? We've seen Screaming Abdabs. We've seen Cuthbert in the Cooler. Um, I think you guys have seen Arcadia before, haven't you? Not sure. Fire it up. This one goes to 11. Damn, there's that awesome dragon music again. Yep, the Jim Gary sound chip. Oh, neat. That's cool. What are they, butterflies? <laughs> Butter? No. Not not using that extra color on this one, I don't think though. No. Fly away. And the fact you can fly vertically is kind of unique. Not too many games did that at the time. Butterfly. Interesting. Camera fit gets a different shape. Honestly, oh, yeah, the, white, the white background and the white border are to me in this game. In this case, it would be better than doing this in green. You know, I never yeah. completely bought into the illusion of a space game with a green background. You know. So, um, yeah, white, at least you can say I'm in the antimatter universe or yeah, something. Or something like that, yeah. So. So. yeah, neat sound effects. <laughs> you can see I'm stuck in the 80s. <laughs> I don't remember How if there's anything else there? really awesome to look at here. Oh, you can die. Nice oh. intro screen. Yeah. Yeah, there's some of the kind of grayscale mm -hmm. artifacting there. Great artwork. Yeah. 
Yeah, well done. Very cool. I don't know if there's any more you want to see there, Stevie, or on to the next? Uh, no, I think we've seen enough. A great channel. Make sure you subscribe. This is Cuthbert Dragon, right? Yep. For okay. all your dragon needs. On to the next. Ooh, Paul Shoemaker has an updated video for his upcoming Semi-Graphics 12 game that now includes some additional storyline artwork, which are kind of like cutscene style things. We've seen the 3D walking through the maze type thing yeah, and some yeah. of the pop-up monsters. So this adds a little bit more to it. Yeah, this is a beauty. I love how you can see the arrow. Ooh, descent into shadow. Look at that face. That's like David Ladd oh, when he doesn't have Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I'm excited yeah. to be here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm descending into Diet Dr. Pepper and water. <laughs> wow. This is, yeah. And it has, it has this claim where it's like, I know it's like Christmas time, but I'm going to be posting some dark images here on this video. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and and uh, he succeeded. Yes. Like no, Night of the really Walking cool. Dead or something. Very cool. A theme to it. Very cool. Thank you, Paul. Speaking Schumacher. of. Speaking of game development here, um, Trey Tomes has now got a graphics engine he's working on for a game he's doing. And he's got his first, you know, real test using some of the different things like animated water and, and stuff. Yeah, here. yeah. yeah I, I, I remember commenting on this. This looked really neat. And it's very fast how it's moving and stuff, too. There's an open door effect there. and oh i see yeah i was honestly i couldn't figure out what the hell was going on with that i'm like man that that one tile is kind of glitching when he gets over it but yeah that's what <laughs> it's opening the door hello <laughs> it's okay go back to sleep steven <laughs> so i mean it, it, it's it's fun watching i mean we know nick makes games and, and and chet makes games and stuff here but here we've got you know multiple other people coming in and doing little machine language uh, based stuff they're doing yeah. semi-graphics they're doing coco one and two modes we got some coco three stuff i think this next year we might even have more new coco games than we did this past year which, which was a banner year for the last decade right. so right. challenge accepted get out there and make your coco games people now going back into old games this is a, a youtube channel that i had not seen too much before i believe nick this is the guy that actually bought some of your games in japan and he's All been right, doing some Coco videos it. now of individual games, and he does a bit, a bit more long play. So here's doing the seven card stud, uh, which is a rarer cart, I guess, on the on the Coco itself here. And he, you know, kind of plays it for a little bit here. So I'll just fast forward a bit. Yeah, oh, these are the other players. Yeah, computer based players. I mean, for a that card game, it's actually not too bad. I mean, it's it's fairly low RAM requirements because it's a lower res, but you, actually, you know, the little sound effects for the cards and yeah, smooth moving cards and stuff. So it's actually not badly done. Anyway, it's poker, so. Yeah, neat. And then he also did one on art gallery. Wow. Look at that pixel <laughs> <laughs> i know this is just riveting video here but now, this is, now th i'm account. wondering if anybody has tried using like the um koala pad on art gallery i have not that actually wouldn't be a bad idea i know it had that keyboard overlay that only worked in the cocoa and keyboards that had what mm -hmm. special keys do what but this is one of the very early graphics editing programs yeah. we had yeah change brush size you can get different effects you get the single pick the wider stuff yeah 
Yeah, not a bad little program, but no. Oh, scrolling, shifting the screen around. I didn't know I could do all that. Oh, wow. Eight. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> this is my new screensaver. Now, did this saying. support the joystick or did you have to use the keyboard to move stuff around? I think it support joystick, didn't it? Okay. I, I, so. I did use it a little bit way back when it first came out and I don't really remember. I haven't used it since. If I'm not mistaken, is this, is this one of the ones that came with the bound book and everything too? Um, yeah, I think it was. It was a cartridge, but I believe you could save to tape. So you could save your artwork and load it back. Yeah, you definitely um, could save to tape. I do remember doing yeah. that. Because I might have this one in my collection of books. I might have the, the manual for this in the bound. And you got a text mode editor too. Wow. Mart Gallery. <laughs> Coco Computer. Or computer. Okay. Interesting. Our, oh, Robert Kilgus, huh? Yep. And there's the wow. There's a glitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is this color script set? <laughs> <laughs> it's written by the same guy, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. And and same guy did disc edtasm. So he he we said miss up. He's the same guy did skiing and dinosaurs too. So so next up, we've got uh, a YouTuber named Con Traveler. I'm not sure who that is, if it's somebody we know or not, or somebody new to the community. So he's doing a bit of a Coco 1 and 2 animation experiment he's doing uh, for a Zelda-style game. And he's got the animation for the uh, fairy from Zelda 2 in you know low res. Oh, neat. Is this in basic or assembly? Yes, or? it is in basic. Wow, so that's pretty pretty quick. I'm wondering if they're just plotting and replotting to... Um... I think it's yeah, just get put there's buffers. No buff, there's no double buffering or anything like that. Yeah, so he's just wiping it out and then redrawing it, basically. Okay, that's neat. But it's a nice little animation. It's a bit of the lower res. I think it's like P mode 1, maybe. Yeah, that's like my Cosmic Alien screen. Yeah, because you get a yeah. little bit of extra speed and save some RAM. So Yeah, yeah bigger pixels. Nice and eight bit looking. Now we come to the Jim Gary portion of the show. Jim so Gary. <laughs> the first one is his version, uh, a port of Dragon's Cube from the Dragon 32, which is kind of a Rubik's Cube thing in low res. And I think, if I remember correctly, this is one that Alan Huffman was uh, watching and he was having a bit of trouble understanding the controls. Wow. You're saying this is low res? What part is low res? So far, I'm saying. Very high res. <laughs> oh, look at that. That is actually really cool. That's got to see. This is actually better than color cubes because these are like real colors, not like checkerboard patterns. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the Need Radio that Shack, artifact. Yeah, that, that Radio Shack color cubes was an eyesore. Now this might be this might be like, you know, you go into like an SG8 or something like that and just get a little bit bigger pixels. I know you can't do that in MC10 necessarily, but just for a Coco project, it might be cool to take these this eight color mode and do something. Yeah. yeah. Or with that 8K RAM up, well, I know that still doesn't do semi graphics, higher semi graphics, yeah. in mind. Neat. That's actually quite good, honestly. Yep. And then next in the part of the Christmas theme of things here, he did uh, a couple of. Uh, 
programs here. So the first one here is uh, a random Christmas tree generator. So it randomly generates the tree itself mm. um, a little bit. And it's actually from an old uh, book or article called Techniques of Basic by John P. Grillo and J.D. Robertson that was originally 1981. I don't know what platform the original was on. And there's his amazing sound chip. Yeah, again. man. Want a tree? Oh, how about this one? Merry Xmas. Uh, okay. Yeah, and it just regenerates, you know, random to place the bulbs and leaves, etc. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Wasn't sure what this what to expect with that whole idea of a randomly generated tree, but now we know. A bit of a Charlie <laughs> Brown tree, eh? <laughs> Procedurally generated Christmas trees. Yes. Yeah, there you go. On the code. Oh, random tree. Oh, <laughs> random tree. <laughs> And then his uh, last one for the game section here is called, well, it's abbreviated A-H-H-A, which stands for Another Haunted House Adventure. That's just that easy to remember. And this was originally by a guy named Jeff Wells. He didn't mention what it was ported from or what platform or when it was originally made, but, you know, standard text adventure type thing. Of which the Coco, I mean, that was a pretty popular game genre back, in, especially in the early to mid 80s. Before the graphic ones started taking over. Anyway, a tattered video scrap video. of towel. What now, boss? <laughs> See, this game was written with Nick Marota in mind because it calls you boss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was thinking John Coffey from uh, Green Mile. Oh, Cuber. I know this. Yeah, and this is actually kind of fun because Marlon Lee, who's one of the very first YouTubers to do Coco game videos, he kind of bit, has been off for a couple of months now. I think about four months actually since the fall. <clears throat> and he just suddenly popped up and put this one up on Christmas Eve and mentioned he's going to try to sneak one more in before the end of the year. Nice. So it's his take on the Cuber game by Tom Mix. Hey, guys. I thought maybe I'd put up a video at least a one or I'll two play a little bit of the end of the year. Yeah, I haven't put one up for a few months. Not Today, the worst use of this palette set. The semi-graphics mode, it works. Clone. Actually, you because at least Cubert's the right color. He was in the arcade. He was kind of orange or peachy in the arcade, right? An artifact color palette. This game is. Uh, it's also lower res too. It's a Pimod one. People mm -hmm. have been using the artifact color palette for quite some time, but 83, so that isn't an absolute this is Coco? indicator that the color Coco one yep. Well, palette hack might. Oh, now it's white. Yes, the yeah, yeah. The game actually comes with the option to play both ways. So. Oh, okay. So he changed it. That way, it would work in the European market with PAL. Could you just play that first palette set we saw at the white? Which indicates and the orange cubert, and then uh, this is the artifacting one for the NTSC market. Started out not copied. I'll leave it up to the viewer to figure out which one they would actually prefer to play. As I mentioned before, they uh, had a pretty lousy color protection scheme, and it uh, didn't do the animation of firing cubert up to the top. No, but the sound effects were good on this, especially like the uh, the cursing word balloon thing. Cubert that was pretty was good. One of those games, I think yep. I mentioned in another video that I never played in the arcade, and you know your. Uh, you only have so many quarters to go, and you want to spend your quarters on games you're you know, pretty certain you're going to like. So I at least didn't do as much experimenting on games as perhaps I should have. So I wasn't, you know, a 
Well, I was aware of them. I didn't play. Some I could have made Cubert Orange I ended in this up later one. On liking. Yeah, yeah. This is a game that I got originally for the color computer. Wasn't until because we don't have that many colors, it, it can get to be kind of busy when you have all those things climbing up the sides and everything else. You know. Yeah. Collecting again that I played. In this case, I think he's using the exact same graphics because if you go between a P mode three screen color set one, the highest, like the full set of bits maps to orange and on the artifacting one like this, it maps to white. So I think he's just using the exact same graphics. Probably. And that's just what colors they map to when you switch between the modes. I'm enjoying playing it today. It was nice to see Marlon come back because he hasn't been around since the fall. So yeah. And I, I don't know what game he's planning for his last one. Did he mention he was going to try to sneak in one another one up? But uh, look forward to seeing that. So anyway, that's the uh, game on. Cool. That was the, the game uh, on news. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you, L. Curtis Boyle, for that. Mark, I, I like the fact there's a lot of game development going on right now by multiple oh. people, including people that have not done games before that we've seen, and and mm -hmm. you know the the old the old guard as well. So it's it's cool seeing all the development. Absolutely. Uh, Mark B, you want to run a commercial of your choosing before we go into news news? And that way Ron can take his potty break too. Or if you somebody wake up, Ron, put a mirror underneath him. Put a mirror under Ron, see if he's breathing. Uh. <laughs> we'll return after these messages. My fellow Americans, Australians, Canadians, Europeans, and all of you ands, I'm calling on all y'all to help us make the world great again by visiting the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com where you can get yourself a coffee mug like this with a little cute cartoon character that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could also get yourself a coffee mug like this with a color computer three that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could get yourself a, a deluxe travel mug like this with the Coco Talk logo on it. You might even be able to get yourself a DVD like this with over two hours of gameplay. Goodness, it is time for us to rise up and make the world great again by enjoying some quality retro merchandise and Coco nostalgia. So please visit 8bit256.com and let's make the world great for the color computer. Thank you very much. Good morning, Coco Lamb. This is Brian Schubring with Music Man here at the Coco Fest, having fun, fixing issues, and making things roll, and making lots of sound. Have a great day, guys. Baby, there's something I need to talk to you about. Remember when we first met? Everything was so easy, and it felt like nothing could stop us. But now, everything is such a struggle. And <laughs> if I'm being honest, you're really starting to show your age. Can I get the check, please? Break up with 512K. Use two megabytes now with Nitros 9 Ease of Use Edition. Ease of use. Download EOU today at lcurtisboyle.com. 
plans after school. You know what Elliot's going to do? Jeff, too. Elliot's at work on a book report using Scripsit on Radio Shack's Color Computer 3. It hooks up to his TV. And Jeff's at his Radio Shack Color Computer 3 playing the newest football game. But wait, what's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. You never know what you might try with more than 100 programs for fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately, only at Radio Shack. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I remember the days of grade school when on the playground we would talk about the latest computer and console games. Until one day when a kid told the teacher he was having a blast with his new math tutor. After he got out of the hospital, he changed schools. Hi, this is Eddie Zerbinski from beautiful Quebec City. Vous écoutez Coco Talk. As you're enjoying Coco Talk, we also want to remind you about the Coco Discord server. This is a place where people come to connect, to ask questions, to provide answers, to share information, and to socialize. So when you're done, why don't you head on over to the Coco Discord server and we'll continue the conversation there. The easy to remember link is discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord. Coco123 is the Glenside Color Computer Club community newsletter that's been in publication since 1985. While the Rainbow Magazine may be gone, it doesn't mean you still can't have a cool Coco periodical. Head on over to the Glenside Color Computer website at glensideccc.com and then click on the Documents link to view all the past issues of the Coco123 newsletter. Not only can you read all of the past and present issues, we'd also love to hear some submissions from you. So if you'd like to send an article, a column, something to talk about, maybe even a program listing, send an email to glensideccc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. screen for those who had not had enough news with curtis we're back <laughs> with more news with curtis now it's my turn to ego trip like nick Moroda does so <laughs> all right so first off uh for those who didn't catch it on christmas eve we finally released nitrous 90s of use beta 6 for download we've got the 6809 version we've got the 639 version we've got gimme x versions for those two cpus as well for those that are on the, the beta testing team which enables the 2.86 megahertz uh, model. We've also got ver options now for you to uh, change your boot up so you can have a straight SDC style boot, which gives you more system RAM so you can run old level one games and st stuff like that as well. Or you can switch to a drivewire one, which has all the drivewire stuff enabled, but probably is taking too much memory for most level one stuff. But we made it fairly easy for you to be able to swap back and forth. And we've got the new boot screen, which kind of gives you information on your, on your system at the hardware level, like what kind of stuff you got installed, how much RAM. 
It also does a bunch of things behind the scenes that actually change some system settings. So unlike the old days where you had to actually edit your OS9 boot file and rewrite it and then possibly screw it up and you can't boot at all, this is just all text-based stuff. So you can edit it fairly easy on your own. <clears throat> and then we wanted to show some of the other things that are in there. So we have a little help screen in the upper right. Uh, the one on the left here that I just scrolled on, which has Rogue on the left and then the uh, the multi-view demo and then I have a Basic 9 program that I'm actually running, you know, a listing while it's running as part of the debug mode it was actually the same demo I used in the Amigos when we were demonstrating Nitrous 9 on their show on their special. Um, so that's basically just showing multitask. And then of course we have the Gem Quest game on the right from uh, Floyd Ressler, who's actually now getting active in the Kilco community again is actually going to be doing an update to Gem Quest, which we hope to include in the future as well. But it's all available to download. Um, so far, it's been getting pretty positive reviews from people who've actually have had time to try it. Um, there's a few minor bugs that we knew of going in, but as long as they weren't showstoppers, if we had a showstopper bug, we would have delayed the release. But most of them seem to be pretty minor or they have pretty easy workarounds, just you know, ask. Um, and if we have some time on the show later, if anybody who's actually tried it and maybe has some questions, uh, can feel free to ask. Uh, Bill was gonna try to be here today. I don't know if he made it while I was downstairs getting coffee and stuff, but uh, I'll try to answer whatever I can. So I can go out and download it and give us some uh, feedback and, and let us know what you think. Very cool. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Next up, uh, Sheldon McDonald um, has posted two more episodes of his Exploring Cyclone Assembly series on YouTube. And it's got a, he's got a two-parter here that's called Converting Two Bytes to Human Readable Strings. So he's converting 16-bit numbers to the actual you know, ASCII numerics in assembly language. So I won't play the actual video. You can watch the two here. It's a two-parter on doing that, but uh, he goes through the assembly language. He also shows some of his new tools that he's been working on to make you know, cross uh, assembly between VCC, for example, and his, his tools so that you can actually edit the source in his little editor and then immediately fire up VCC and do it, which I think you experimented, uh, Stevie, with uh, Roger Taylor had something similar, if I remember. I hadn't used that one too much, but I've, I've used a few. I've used, I've used John Strong's tool and I've used the um, Long Branch Never one too, what I use is Notepad++. So um, yeah, no, okay. it's, a, it's, it's, a great, it's a great way to do it too. You know. Yeah, because I don't know if you guys can read the tabs at the beginning at the top of his little utility here, the RSTOS tool, but he's actually right. got a raw, raw disk, disk editor, editor, program editor, code storage, and okay. then built in help too. Okay. And he's, he's constantly adding to this and upgrading it too. So this is a work in progress, but he's actually got quite a bit in there now. That's awesome. So this is part one and then part two, where he gets in more into the nitty gritty of it. Man, that's a nice little source code editor there. And then he did another one where he did a demo. <clears throat> and this is uh, actually one that he wrote in assembly and he's, he's just learning. He's not, he just started doing, you know, his first attempts at double buffering that he didn't quite do what we would traditionally call double buffering. Um, but basically he made a bouncing lines demo in semi-graphics and with multiple colors. And it was one of his first, you know, finished quote unquote projects of an actual demo program. So we'll play a little bit of that here. Actually, I'll play the whole thing pretty well. Oh, wow. That is cool. That's like Simon Jonasson level stuff right there. Look at that thing, man. Yeah, it wasn't a bad little first try there. No. Now he's doing double buffering in a sense, but not, not like we normally would. Normal double buffering, you, you have two areas for the screen reserved and then you display one and you're drawing on the other and then you just change the pointer 
to instantly flip to the other one and display it once it's fully rendered. And then you start rewriting the first one and you just alternate back and forth. And I think from what I read in his description here, what he's doing more here is he's actually doing like rescue and fractalist does where it draws it off screen and then block copies it onto the screen and itself. Like a P copy. Yeah, similar to that. So it's, it's a bit of a slower method of doing it, but it does work. And the case of fractals is because it doesn't line up with MMU blocks and, you know, some technical reasons they did it that way. But uh, yeah, no, it looks pretty good. And that's, uh, I mean, he just started doing a semi-language here, what, a couple wow. months ago, I think. So he's advanced pretty far, pretty fast. I mean, just coming up with a line drawing algorithm for semi-graphics because it's based on two by two blocks. Yeah. Is, you know, not, you know, not for the beginner type thing. So definitely doing well there. Amazing. Next up, I hope somebody's got a chance to fully watch this video because I have not had time because uh, this came out right when He's of Use was in its, you know, working till three in the morning thing. But basically, from my understanding of this is that they're going to take and build a new programmable chip and it's not quite an FPGA or CPLD style thing, but they're actually using the 679 as the base. Tim Linder actually is the one who brought this up. So I was hoping he would be on because he knows a lot more about it than I do. But they're taking the 6809 um, instruction set as the base, but they're making a fully pipeline chip that can run at much higher speeds. Unfortunately, it's not a plug-in replaceable. It's not like you can drop it in a 6809 socket. It's meant for you know new projects. But if you're familiar with programming the 6809, it's basically the same instruction set, except it's got like a five or six stage pipeline and uh, you know much, much faster uh, access and stuff too. So it can run many, many times faster. But if you're already not a program the 6809, it's, it's just programming the 6809. There's nothing nothing different as far as that goes, just much faster. So I know Tim was pretty excited about it. And then maybe, maybe next week, if we can get Tim on, I wouldn't mind him to discuss because he's actually talked to these people a little bit too, uh, just, just to get the, the full gist of what they're doing. But they've got like, you know, all kinds of like diagrams explaining, like here's a bit of the history of the, uh, why they chose a 6809 over some of the other um, 8-bit CPUs from the time. And they actually are kind of hinting this might become a commercial project for things that only need an eight or 16 bit CPU. Cause they've already got ARM and a bunch of other things for this kind of thing for the higher end 32, 64 bit CPU stuff. But there's still some, you know, certain hardware projects that actually work better with the smaller bus size. So they're kind of aiming at that. And here they talk about how the pipelining works and Wow. This is like an actual super presentation thing going on here, huh? Yeah, it's a full hour presentation, which is one of the reasons wow. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. <laughs> wow. They, they, from the, from I briefly did watch it. They're going right into the details of how the whole thing works and what the advantages and disadvantages are. So I do plan on watching it this week now that you know Ease of Use is finally out and uh, kind of catch up on it. But yeah, if we can get Tim on next week because he's much more into this kind of level of stuff than I am that uh, maybe he can comment on it. Okay. Very cool. And then somebody on Discord posted, um, was it Robert Allen Murphy that posted about this? I can't remember. About the CMOC upgrade? If Allen's still on the call, he can verify that was him. I think it was him. Cross-compiler for a subset it was. of the language, C language, yes. So CMOC is one that has been used by a lot of RS-DOS programmers. In fact, the AGD system, I think, used CMOC for most of it. That did all those you know cross-ports of the uh, AGD games to the Coco and Dragon from the Spectrum. So this one is basically a bug fix one, a uh, little bit of optimizations on bit shifts and stuff too. And he's got you know, kind of the release notes for the last few versions, but it's, it's good that 
Pear is actually keep or Pear is keeping this actually up to date and you know constantly doing updates to it. So, and I think there's some OS nine support in it too, if I remember correctly. So you can do there some OS level. You can do OS nine level one stuff in it as well. Uh, yeah, there is. And um, in addition to updating the CMOC itself, he also updated a number of the example code packages that he has later down on the page. There's a new one about the new command, and then there's new versions of about half of those from, uh, you can see, you know, over the last month or two. So there's actually been a lot of work going on quietly. Yeah, and he's making it all public domain too. I mean, like there's there's no restrictions to using this stuff. So it's it's nice having a, a very public based uh, new development system. And I know there's been quite a few uh, programs have been using it. I know one of the games we released a level one uh, card game called Color Eight, which is kind of loosely based on Crazy Eights. That's part of Ease of Use Beta Six was written in CMOC, and it was written for both Disk Basic and OS Nine. There's versions for both platforms too. We've got the one installed, but if you have Disk Basic, you can run it as well. Mikey's DW term was also a uh, CMOC project, and it is now linked off of that page as well. Oh, cool! I didn't realize that. Yeah, because down over here on the lower left is the Color Eights I was talking about. I didn't realize uh, DW term was, though. That's cool. Bouncy Ball, that was one famous one we all know of that uh, was written in CMOX, So There's also an interesting Coco emulator down in the uh, bottom right. Coco Tear? Yep. Oh, run L Tear Basic? <laughs> yeah, I have to make a, an OS9 version. I can throw it in the emulators yeah. along with RSP and the uh, CPM emulator. There's another game here, too, a Splinter Bricks, Break the Bricks game. Neat. According to that, that's a Coco 3 game, 320 by 192. Yeah. Oh, it is, too, Coco 3. So does he get full Coco 3 support in there, Ellen? I didn't, I didn't realize um, he had Coco There is quite a bit. Um, there is not full support for things like standard C libraries or all of the different functions of the various hardware but it is evolving over time, which is why I was interested to see that there were more things coming up than just CMOC itself being updated. So uh, up at the very beginning, there's libraries like bgraph, bcontrol, uh, deckb file, things like that, that are utility libraries uh, that are specific to CMOC and the COCO. And it does support some Vectrex work as well. I think you covered one of those last week. Okay. Yeah, there's just a ton of stuff there, and um, it, he is very open to contributions. So if some of the folks that are really good at hardware programming in both assembly and C have ideas on how to expand those functions, that uh, he, he's very happy to, to to talk about how that works or add you know patches or code or whatever. So it, it already does understand the difference between Coco one, two, and three. And it does have some specific support, but there could always be more. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, since you actually same sounds like you actually keep track of the his, his progress on this as it is, maybe just fire off me you know when you get some of the updates here or or new demo programs release, new libraries, et cetera, and I can highlight them on the show. And it looks like his B graph uh, library looks like includes uh, semi graphics eight, twelve, and twenty more for setting, resetting. And getting pixels in those modes. So imagine using like line, draw, paint, and circle in a semi-graphics mode. That's pretty cool, man. 
Yeah, and you could do, I mean, C is, you know, generally faster than basic to begin with. So, I mean, you could probably write some pretty cool stuff in this. And the demo, the each, most of these packages has a test mode and a demo program with them mm -hmm. so that you can exercise the functions of the particular library. So if you dig into that, there is a, you know, vGraph demo and a vSound demo that are in each of those zip files that you know, are to illustrate how to use the code, but they'll also show you a, a quick capability of what it does. Cool. Yeah, definitely keep me up to date on that, Alan, because uh, I sometimes miss when he does stuff. Because where does he usually announce his updates? Like, I don't see him on the list. I don't see, usually see him on Facebook or anywhere else. So, me either. I just happen to be checking for another update for something else. I know he uh, does post things in the Dragon group from time to time. Yeah, I, I've seen him post some things, but I, I didn't see this update. <laughs> so, pretty substantial. Yeah, that's cool. It's nice seeing active development environments. I mean, we've got cross assemblers now. We've got the CMOC compiler for both OS 9 and for rigor disk basic and, and adding graphics libraries now for the three and semi-graphics and stuff too. Like this is a cool project to watch and it'll be cool to see what people that, you know, like programming in C, what they can do with it. Yeah, I like both C and assembly and between uh, William Astle's LW tools and this CMOC, that should open up quite a bit of options for people yeah and then we've got jeff tennyson who actually uh contributed the new his new dcc compiler to the nitrous 90s of use project which is basically the micro c but with a lot of added stuff it, it it compiles to smaller code it makes faster code it also includes some c later c like ANSI c and even c plus plus type of conventions like for doing remarks and some other things too so it's it's a bit more modernized from the original micro compiler too plus it has you know access to all the same libraries so that one's getting more advanced too as well. So yeah, we've got a lot of development tools that are getting updated these days. So and, that kind of uh, goes in, go ahead. Yeah, DCC also runs uh, on the Linux side as well and is uh, very close or may already be generating the same binaries regardless of how you run it, either through OS 9 or through Linux. Yeah, I was actually going to have Jeff come on the show if I could to talk about DCC to explain it a bit better because he did pretty pretty good post on the list here when somebody was asking about it. But he's just just finishing off his new move to a new house, so I didn't want to pressure him too much for time this close to Christmas. Next up, we've got Erico, who's actually put up his. Um, you've probably seen these exploded views of the Coco before, where he kind of colorized it, fancied up, and he made a three D model you could fly through. But he's actually yeah. uploaded the actual image files for these now, so you can you know download them on your own. Um, yeah, that is so cool. That is so cool to have it very well rendered like that. Yeah, got the feet. We got the screws. We got the gimme socket, and that's the get the oh, that's the power supply receptacle there. Uh, gimme socket cartridge to me? bay door. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Power cord. Yeah, I remember somebody asking a question. Oh, this is great. Now, can you tell me exactly what size screws those are? Because I need to order some replay the screws. And uh, yeah. Yeah, they're listed in the book that, that had that illustration in it. Yeah, and that's really good. It's nice and clean. I know uh, Paul Shoemaker had done a poster of one of these breakout things before that was available where you could you know print it and get like a you know, wall art of it. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to decide which one I like more. I like the line art one, but I'm thinking I like the colored and shaded one too, you know? 
Yeah, that's, a, that's a tough choice because, I mean, yeah. the one is kind of that retro bare bones look of the old tech manuals type thing. Yeah. And one on the right is more of a modernized one, but they're both they're both beautiful. Yeah, yeah. If I, had to pick both. One, I, I think I would do the one on the right if I had to pick just one. Yeah, collect the them all. Collect so them it all. changes. Yeah. Yeah. Just need a Coco 3 one now. That's, that's right. Other. Yeah. Good job, Erica. It's a work of art right there, man. Yes, it is. I won't play hey. this again because we already saw it. <laughs> Sorry. But this this was uh, Simon's. Uh, I, I'm I'm sure he didn't have all those songs in the first version we saw a couple years ago. I, no, I, I can swear I don't remember that. I remember the first the, one for sure. Yeah, you would hope the author would know, but uh... <laughs> well, he might have changed it. Maybe he changed it. You know, not long after he released it originally, and then and we, we just yeah. never played okay. it because it was after Christmas. So that could be. Yeah, anyway, it's I a really see. cool Coco Three demo. Go download it. Um, multiple. I know, you know two voice music. I, I know he said it's only got two voices, but I could have sworn listening to it, I heard an extra voice. Now, I, there's, I often hear multiple voices in my head, but <laughs> I could have sworn I, there was an extra instrument track in there from time to time, like a really high register one that was coming in. Um, but who knows? Sometimes the, the air plays tricks on you. There's a perception of something else. But yeah, I, I really like the music. When I saw this on Facebook, and it, I, just, I was watching this at the right time. And, just, and he's like, yeah, make sure you wait till the end. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen this before. I've heard this before. But I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a... See, that, that wait to the end, I think, implies that he knew that there was extra songs. Yeah, you know, That's... and then... Um, but yeah, it, it literally gave me the chills. Just listening to the music. I just saw it at the right time, as, you know, and I was like, oh, man, this is just really cool. So and It's nice. We have multiple decent Coco 3 Christmas demos now. I mean, we've got on Ease of Use comes with the uh, Sierra demo that was, you know, standard across multiple machines, but based on the AGI engine that, you know, King's Quest and Leisure Solera, and they wrote mm -hmm. a Christmas demo. That has a little bit of customization. You can type in a couple of messages that of your own to print on the screen while it's doing it. But I know, like Alan was playing in the background on on his scene there, and you know, it has you know Santa and the reindeer flying around and jumping into chimneys and all kinds of stuff. So it's a pretty cool demo. And then Simon's demo, which features you know multi voice music running simultaneously with this you know twisty spinning Santa thing. And uh, yeah, there's just been it's it's been a great software year for the Coco. I don't know what else to say yeah. about that. You know, it might be kind of neat is if, because um, a couple of years ago, John Linville had done Christmas Rush or Xmas Rush, where he had to rescue the tree from the snowman and stuff. And uh, now that he's got his sound chip thing too, it might be cool to get a version of that with some background music, like some Christmas yeah. music playing in the background while you're rescuing Christmas trees. That might be cool. And can you imagine when the MP3 card comes out, what you could do with it? <laughs> <laughs> so Simon also released a second demo and this is a conversion of his Taurus, his bouncing spinning Taurus thing that he had on the Coco 3 demo we saw mm -hmm. at the fest. Except this is now working on a Coco 1 and 2. So obviously the color palette's a bit different, but it still looks pretty impressive. Mm, oh no. Yeah, I like this one. <laughs> yeah, it looks really good. On the Coco 3, it's got variant shades of blue. So it's kind of like a steel blue looking. But on this one, only having the four colors it's a really cool rainbow effect, like a heat map. Um, yeah, actually, that's kind of what it, the like infrared thermal, maps almost. It, it yeah. kind of reminded me of like the Predator when he's like looking at the infrared stuff, you know? Yeah, um, that's exactly what I thought when I saw it too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of cool. I wasn't going to say it because I thought I sounded like an idiot, but thanks for sharing. Uh, listen, if you need somebody to sound like an idiot, I'm your guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you cover, you, you, you cover yourself in mud and watch this video, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, the next one's kind of a, a different thing here. Uh, Fedora Steeman has requested that people subscribe to his friend's YouTube channel. And this is a uh, retro computing with Mike. And uh, basically him and Mike have an agreement that if they get a thousand subscribers and the last time I checked there, I think they're at 996. So they're just about there that they will do an either an MC10 or a Coco video pretty well immediately afterwards. And he, he goes into, you know, retro computing in general, he covers all platforms. So this is the uh, extortionist to me, but <laughs> how many followers does he have need to get to not do an MC10 video? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not slamming the MC10 here. Jim Gary's been doing awesome work. Yeah, Plus, awesome I'd have that dead game we uh, showed last week. The uh, what was it called? The shoot up and kill shoot, stuff, shoot, shoot, kill things. Yeah, shoot up and kill stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sucks, so sucks, sucks. Sucks. Yeah. sucks, depending on your yeah. pronunciation, but yeah, shoot up, kill stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that, that's another thing. Like we were talking about all the new Coco software that's coming yeah, out this MC10. year, and some of the stuff we've seen previewed for next year. I mean, even the MC10. I mean, it's been the Jim Gary show for years, and then every once in a while, some other guy would throw in some other basic game. But now we've got a machine language games coming out on the MC10 from other yeah. authors. So, and I don't know if you have this queued up in your news, but Darren Ottery, kind of like how we have an ultimate MC image for the Coco. Darren Ottery has been compiling an ultimate image for the MC32 SD card thing. So I don't know if you've. Oh, no, I didn't that. see that. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I am honestly, as a matter of fact, since I'm not hosting, I'm going to open up a new tab right now and I'm going to uh, the Zipster zone. <laughs> I'm going to order that damn thing if it's available. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to get that damn MCX type thing here. Yeah. Anyway, this is Retro Computing's Mike's uh, actual page here. Oh. And some of the previous you know videos he's done going through like you know BBCs and cheap Chinese retro gaming knockoff consoles and all kinds of stuff. So it looks like a pretty interesting page if you're into retro in general. I prefer the expensive Chinese retro gaming knockoff consoles myself. I spare no expense on my cheap knockoffs. I prefer the cheap Chinese original ones. I haven't seen too many of those yet, but uh, you know the ones that are completely original. But yeah, it yeah, looks the, like an interesting page for the retro enthusiast here. So um, there's an excellent if, accent too. So yeah, if we can get his subscriptions over, and like he said, he was four short at the time I loaded this page this morning. So uh, you might have actually be there now, but if not, if you guys wanted, or you know, one to four of you subscribe here, we might be able to get him over, and then get our first Coco video based on there. So and maybe we can help him, you know, getting some of the information he needs to make sure it's accurate. We can call that the Coco Talk effect. <laughs> He's four, 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 four subscribers. Yeah, it causes that in hemorrhoids. It's pretty cool. Um. I just subscribed. He's down to two more he needs. Cool. And links are in the YouTube chat for those of you uh, watching and not on the panel. So, Please, everybody, click on those links. <laughs> hey, next up, uh, Jerry Stratton. We mentioned on last week's show that he's been going through and putting up some you know, Coco 1 and 2 Christmas-related uh, graphics programs that he you know, plucked out of Rainbow and just did a screenshot of whatever. So I grabbed four that he did this week. And I mean, obviously it's a day after Christmas here now or two days after if you're in Australia. Um, so I thought I'd show the, the four that he put up this week. So here's a P-Mode 4-1 uh, with artifacting colors and a nice little candle and some candy canes. And here's a nice uh, in the manger with the, with the great conjunction up at the top there, I believe. And, uh, and Ron DeVoe can talk about that. He's the astronomy wizard. I've just ordered my MCX 32. <laughs> there were there was like a half a dozen available. Now it's minus one. <laughs> <laughs> cool. How yeah, I wish I caught these in time for the newsletter. So these are nice. 
Well, some of these he released before the newsletter came up, but barely. And mm -hmm. these other ones yeah. came out after. So, mm -hmm. yeah. By the way, I've spared no expense. I've commissioned Ron Delvaux to help us with the cover of the next newsletter. So cool. <laughs> yeah, I like these. This would be kind of cool to make animated demos out of these too. Yeah, and if actually that's that Sierra work. Christmas demo, that's kind of yeah. one of the ones they have is the uh, reindeer pulling the sleigh landing on the roof. Then uh, Santa jumps right out and plummets right down the chimney. And by the way, two days or less, I'm expecting that cartridge. This is the er this is the era of Amazon, right? So <laughs> <laughs> cool. Can you do a review on the future show series? Oh, absolutely. That'd be, that'd be cool. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to download the ultimate MC10 image. Yeah, I like this. The snow was the the star, and uh, yeah, you know, lit up Christmas trees, and yeah, yeah. So that was before he plucked out of various rainbows, just you know, little graphics bits they usually put in the December issue. So. Mm -hmm. Next up, Paul Shoemaker did a you know in addition to doing his little uh, dark Christmas um, you know game engine thing with his cutscenes, uh, he also did a Semigraphics Twelve Merry Christmas mini demo uh, using Semigraphics. So I'll play that. Oh wow, dude! That looks so good. It's almost like he's doing palette registers here, but this is very fast page flipping. Redrawing, right? yep. Yeah. Simple but effective. Yeah. And I'm sure Nick's happy that a lot of people are starting to experiment with the semi-graphics mode. Well, he gets a royalty for that. He's he can get it. We have to license that mode through him now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Crikey. Crikey. Hey, then, uh, there he Ken, is. Ken, since he's actually on the panel, I believe, still. Yep. Um, did you want me to start playing and I'll kill the sound? You can kind of describe what you're doing? Uh, sure, go ahead. Just kind of tease people here. So uh, on uh, suggestion from David Ladd, I uh, got myself a Bluetooth um, little dongle there and uh, hooked it up to the cassette cable and just to see if I could load things off my computer over Bluetooth and did a couple of experiments with that just to, yeah, see what would happen. Now, did you find this a lot more reliable than your previous video of doing it? Yes, absolutely. Way more reliable than the FM, but um, I more attribute the FM stuff to the fact that I had really old radios that uh, were very crackly. <laughs> so I think modern radios worked really well for the FM stuff, but the Bluetooth just worked. So where did you get the wave files for these to, um, to load them? Uh, actually, I got them right off the uh, Color Computer Archive. Okay, so they're there. Under, they're under the cassette. Uh, when you go into cassette versions of the programs mm -hmm. most of them have wave files with them okay so you could play this straight from the website you didn't have to download it or anything yeah um i did download it but i yeah you should be able to play it straight from the website okay. that's pretty handy so this this i thought was cool enough because it does look like it's more reliable it's probably not getting less you know electrical interference and stuff too because yeah, on the previous one of course your your crts were built in with your tape decks so i'm assuming they're doing some noise yeah. etc but my favorite part of this video is when you decide to crank it up to 11 here Ah uh, yes, uh, I just put a splitter cable on and hooked up two computers at once. Oh know, my just goodness! So I, could, so I could play on two computers at once, one game, two computers. So you type and see load M on both of them, and so they're both in yeah. like listening mode, waiting for they're, something to happen. And the minute you hit play, boom, they both start getting it. You could yeah, scale exactly. it up for a whole classroom. Yeah, uh, 
just put a couple more splitters in there and it right. would work. I think you should be able to hook up. So you didn't experience computers. any any uh, uh, noise degradation or anything by doing the splitter? It just plays cleanly? Uh, no, it just actually the splitters worked first time. Um, I already had the sound levels set from doing them individually. So as soon as I hooked the splitter up, it worked first time. So. And the minute you hit play on your phone. Yeah, I was ecstatic to see this go live. Yeah. I like the way you hit enter after the C-note ends just for dramatic. Uh... Eh, well. <laughs> He's not playing from his phone, though. He's yeah, playing honestly, from his phone. So are you playing this in fast speed right now? Is that why? Because I'm like, I, man, that... I just sped it. I sped okay. it up for that I was going to say, I don't yeah. ever remember anything loading from tape that quickly. <laughs> Talk to David Ladd. He's doing experiments to speed that yeah, up, too. Totally David's synchronized. Experiments, and I'm going to try the David's experiments on doing it on Bluetooth, too. So see if oh, it man. This is super cool. Double speed. Also, Stevie, he wasn't uh, loading that off of a phone. He was loading it off of a Mac. Yeah, it was off my Mac Mini that on yeah. the other it side. It should work with either, though, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, probably. I've got that exact same adapter that he's got, but Windows 10 doesn't play very well with Bluetooth audio devices, at least for me. Um, but yeah. My... There's a newsflash. Windows 10 doesn't play well with anything. Yeah, <laughs> That is a really cool project. Yeah, and that's not something I would have thought of, like Bluetooth. That actually solves my wireless problem too. Of you know, not having machines that I can fit in the same room, I can just wirelessly blast it across. Yeah. Now, if David gets a six thousand baud cassette thing all fixed up and working there, where it's four times faster, well, then then we're really talking. Or was I supposed to tease that out yet, David? I'm not sure. Um, you wasn't supposed to give away future experiments yet. <laughs> <laughs> In the profession, we call this a teaser. Anyway, thanks for that video, Ken. It was really cool. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I thought that was cool, too. I just watched it the other day. I mean, I thought your original using the old FM transmitter, because I actually have one of those kicking around. I used to use it on road trips years and years ago. It was cool enough, but it was a bit unreliable, like you said, probably from all the interference. Yeah. But this seems a much cleaner, you know, once you get the volume level set, you're pretty well golden. Exactly. And it's still and, joking, joking aside there, you know, you, if you get an 11.1 Dolby surround system, you could load 12 Cocos at once, right? You just each speaker. <laughs> well, the other nice thing too is, Curtis, is that if you have like the WAV file stored on your, um, your iPhone or Android phone or Android tablet or your iPad, whatever, and then you connect them to a Bluetooth device, then you can just, you know, do the same thing. Yeah, well, this would be a good solution for people that are trying to load, say, you know, a drive wire driver onto a Cocoa that don't have an SDC or anything. Drive uh, wire client or deload or things like that. Yeah, because uh, I mean, this, this is just, new, it's, uh, it's a straight cassette load. So it's it's totally compatible with the existing What's Boise's thing called the Getera project, right? So if you needed to load the yeah. Getera receiver. Um, yeah, man. And in fact, you can actually broadcast this to multiple Cocos at the same time. I mean, you can you'll get everything all fired up and running off a drive wire server pretty quickly. Pretty neat. Cool job. Thanks for doing that, Ken. Yeah, no problem. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Trey Tomes put up a Cocoa 3 graphics demo showing off palette changing and some sine cosine calculations where it goes. So it kind of looks like a, almost like a firework or something. And he uses the new VCC paste options. You can just paste the code right in instead of typing it in or loading it off something. So he shows that at the beginning. 
Now the actual demo here is running fully overclocked because this is a pretty math intensive thing. So it runs dog slow on a real Cocoa 3 even with a double speed poke. Um, but if somebody rewrote an assembly, you can definitely get it up to this speed. So first the uh, paste functionality. <laughs> Copy paste. You can't really you can't really type that fast. Like I said, this is overclocked 89 megahertz yeah, on VCC, but that is neat. Nice explosion effects of the oh my god, that is so cool. Look at him go. Look at him. And he starts with bright colors and dims it out so it looks like a real firework where it gets yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that is so impressive. I'd love to see this redone in ML so it actually runs at this speed on the real thing. That'd be kind of a cool demo. Hey, that guy sloppy Malibu wants to come in the call. Should we let him in? <laughs> Tell him to hang on. <laughs> I'm sure he's never heard that. Oh, it just keeps getting better every time. Something's if it's worth doing, good. it's worth overdoing, I believe, was your mantra, Nick, so it, it fits. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool. I mean, this would make a nice screensaver demo, to be honest, if you yeah. up to full speed. That is cool. I love the... A lot of particle of physics, though, so yeah. it's, it's math intensive. Next up, and I was hoping Terry Steggy would be on here to talk about this a little bit, because I'm not sure the exact details. I know we've we've mentioned Antonio's you know SD card project that you can actually or SD pack project I should say, where he was going to bulk buy a bunch of these smaller SD cards for cheap, mm -hmm. and then custom make the labels, and then you know you could sell them, uh, you know as as fairly cheap like a two dollar thing. Um, it what he mentions here, him and Terry are going half and half and buying a bulk order. I believe it's a hundred cards. And I think they're going to get like 500 to get them at a dollar a piece. So I think they're going like 250 a piece or something like 200, 300, whatever. Well, it is. So from like... reading the comments below, it sounds like oh, yeah? it's about a buck 36 each. Okay. But I don't have the details. Like, I don't know what size the cards are. Like, are these? There are, I think they're 64 megabytes. Those are the last comment I remember seeing from him. Like, the, you know... Oh, okay. Because that'd be like, if it was a little bit bigger than that, like if there was a 256 meg for not too much, that'd be a good way for us to hand out say nitrous 90s of use at, at coco fest you know oh, if you have yeah. an sec you just get this plug it in and run it we could even set it up to auto exec too so i mm -hmm. mean you just plug it in turn the coco on and you're booting right into it without having right. to do anything and for other games as well i think that would be a, a pretty decent thing so i'm hoping i will have to find out what the size is i guess like i said I, I don't know what the exact size is yeah it's neat it's a neat project I tried to find some uh, inexpensive 256 mags, and I, I couldn't find them. You would think they'd be real cheap, but when you find them, they're like expensive. They're more expensive than like the multi-gigabyte ones. Right. Well, like I said, they, if, if Stevie's right that the size of the ones they did find is 64 meg, and they're only a buck 36 each, that's hopefully you oh, can find something that that's. I couldn't find it. Yeah, I couldn't find. I didn't find anything like that. Yeah. Well, they they had to do a bulk order of like 500 units to get the price down. So. Yeah. Make it up in volume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like David Ladd. Make it up in volume. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So Carlos Camacho's got something going yeah, on. Yeah, we've here. got two things from Carlos. So the first one here <clears throat> is that his uh, 40th anniversary Coco t-shirts finally started shipping. And I guess Alan Huffman was the first person to actually receive it. And Brian Weasler was saying he was hoping he would be the first. And if Brian's still on the call, have you received it since then? Just came in the mail. Oh, yeah. here. 
Well, keep, keep that to the side here. Once I finish the news here, we'll actually show that so people can see what it looks like. Make it okay. Yeah. But I know he's got some other extra designs here. A few I hadn't seen before, like the Poke 65495. You know, burn game cycles said. type thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were, he was planning on having these for the fest because it would record the 40th anniversary of the Coco. We're going to mm -hmm. have that at Coco Fest as kind of the theme, uh, and, you know, to match Bruce's book, et cetera. And of course, that didn't happen because of COVID. So it's, it's really cool that he actually got the t shirts out anyway, and the orders are starting to come in. So very nice. And then his second post is he's got the badges back in stock for the two meg and the 128K and. Um, I saw some comments afterwards. He's even got some of the ones for multi-packs and stuff now too. Oh, so if you have any damage labels or badges or that are missing ones, uh, you can actually get pretty decent replacements here. And here's a picture of the 2048K one as an example. So mm -hmm. those are available for order on his eBay page. Yeah, and it should be, we should point out, it's kind of hard to see from the picture, but his badges are not the metal plate badges like... Um, you're used to seeing on the Coco 3, it has got the clear plastic kind of bubble above it. So it's kind of the jewel top one. Um, it's still got the metal plate underneath it, but it's not like the metal flat engraved embossed one that you're used to seeing on your Coco 3. It's more like a Coco 1 uh, kind of space bar bumpy type thing. Um, still very great quality, but it's just not exactly the same badge that the Coco 3 originally had. Yeah, I mean, stylistically, like the way the graphics are, are is fairly close, but the, oh, yeah. the materials yeah. is a little, a little different. Yeah. <clears throat> this was an interesting one. I just found it yesterday. Actually, I was out when I was talking to David Ladd on Discord, and it's a YouTuber I've never heard of before. I don't know if any of you guys have. Um, real name Asher. Um, his YouTube channel is called World of Wunk. W N K U oh. W U N K. And he has a video of his homemade SCART RGB uh, hacked adapter to link to his Kogo 3. I'll play the whole video here because it's, it's just under two minutes uh, just to kind of give you. And he's got this completely like jury rig hacked together. Like this is something like if I tried to do hardware at the very beginning, this is what it would look like. And this was just when he finally got it working. So he's actually he's never seen his Coco with RGB before. So and let me know if the volume level should go up or down. I thought I would show you up. Particularly in what I was able to finally put together. Wow! There's, the there's your <laughs> there's your resistor. The from the joystick port. I mean, literally like twist spliced Here together. Here's my <laughs> <laughs> here's my very scary looking <laughs> S cart. <laughs> I'm gonna give the camera to Pablo here for a second. So you can kind of show Looks like a true I'm engineer. Pull up. So here's I think they call that a prototype. Pi. Here's the driveway. Here's the Python server. Very scary prototype. <laughs> so we'll boot it up. That's probably driveway or Mikey. Now that there, it's so. running, switch over to the Coco. So let's boot the Coco up. Oh, and he's got the cartridge going on there too. So it looks like he's got an. Uh, oh no. Okay. So his colors are off. I didn't right touch there. anything though. Oh, it's because <laughs> this part came out. Uh. Like I said, it's really rough. Impromptu. There we go. Okay. Boom. Don't touch it. <laughs> so, so he's got an HDB so DOS cartridge. Nitros with the disk operating system command. And here it goes and boots up into Nitros. 
which I couldn't read before, but now look at it. Holy crap. He's booting into nitrous. Yeah, if you've ever ran that Edicom screen on a composite, it's a blurry a mess of noise, artifact colors. Looks stellar. I can read it now. See, I couldn't read any of this before. Now I can read it. It's pixel perfect almost. Thank you. That's anyway, cool. That was a pretty, pretty cool video. And I, I love seeing those hack jobs like that. Yeah. Literally prototyping to, something. Uh... And then he decided to demo it live on camera. And then you know, <laughs> the wire popped out. What the heck? And... That's that just true. reminds me so much of Coco people in the past I've known. Anyway, I sent a comment uh, to him there on uh, the fact that there's a commercial version of the SCART adapter and also updated versions of Nitrous 9 and stuff. So uh, if I get a response of him, I'll see if I can maybe invite him on the show. Excellent. And I will state that the uh, uh, prototype <coughs> of the switcheroo never looked quite that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jason, you're a professional. We expect no less. Uh, yeah. Yeah, when I was doing my mods for the SCART cable, I was using a, a breadboard, which these new cheap Chinese breadboards are just as bad sometimes. So next up, uh, the Coco Crew released their uh, monthly episode uh, a little bit early for Christmas instead of waiting till New Year's when they would normally release it. And the latest episode has a review of the SUKS game for the MC10 by Neil. Okay. But they also have a really cool interview with uh, Chris Burke that's well worth listening to, uh, where Chris goes through you know how he got into the Coco scene, originally working at Motorola in Schaumburg, which was right next to the you know you could literally see it from the hotel um, that the Rainbow Fest used to be held at, and he gets into you know making the the Birkenberg hard drive adapter and some of the software he's done. They didn't cover everything I would have asked him. There's a few other things I would have asked him about, like how he got involved with the Cocoa 3 uh, OS 9 level 2 version 3 upgrade project. Um, he'd also dem demonstrated a Logitech ScanMan adapter, so you could actually do scanning on a Cocoa 3 and stuff. That, that didn't get covered. So hopefully maybe we, we can get an interview with him at some time too and maybe ask him some of the other extra questions and just, you know, kind of get a, you know, get to know him a little bit better as far as some of the projects he's been getting back into the Cocoa World the last two years. So he's been doing hardware, sure. but we've seen his USB keyboard adapters, mouse adapters, et cetera. He's a very talented engineer, a very talented programmer. So really good guy. I've met him numerous times at Rainbow Fest and Cocoa Fest. So anyway, it's definitely worth the listen to just for the interview alone. Next up, uh, Fred, is that Ricky? Is that Fred Ricky. last name? Ricky? Yeah, Fred Ricky. Okay. Announced this morning. So I just caught this this morning for the show. That he's released his basic or Coco Basic Dignified and Coco Sublime tools. And then he also released a semi-graphic 24 demo snake game and drawing program written with these tools. So he's got the uh, links here on his GitHub <coughs> to actually download the sample program code for his little demo. And then his uh, basic dignified and basic or sublime tools, which are editors and stuff that kind of make the Cocoa programming into a more modern vibe. It's kind of like the, um, what's the other project called we've demonstrated a few times where it looks like a modern language, but it converts it back Jerry down Stratton's to like this. Super basic. basic? Super yeah, basic, yeah, yeah. That type of thing. So this is the announcement page with all the links on Facebook here to get the various things. And then I will run the video. We've had him on the show. He's in Brazil. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. But so this is just a little 30 second clip and you can kind of see on the the still shot before i started up here he's got it you know no line numbers it just looks like a you know a, a modern language color code and everything else too and then you actually see the demo 
expandable. Yep. So you can you fold your loops back up or expand them back out. Just building it and it pops up X roar. Wow. That's fast too, huh? Man, that is so good. And there's the converted code to show you what it turned into after it took the pretty fied modern version and converted mm -hmm. it down to the cocoa. So that's a pretty, pretty cool project. And he's released the tool set now and his demo program. So you can get all of that on, on his GitHub site. And then the last one is Sloopy still here. Hang on. Yep. I'm here. <laughs> okay. I understood some of this and some of it I didn't. So I'll just let you explain them all. So if you want to go through your, your, your two main projects here and explain what they are, and then I'll, uh, okay. the, I'll bring up uh, first the first one here. Yeah, the first one there I explained last week and such on the show. But, um, but as a recap, it's basically it allows you to put HDB uh, DOS with DriveWire in your Cocoa 3. Um, it supports... Uh, uh, H, uh, HDB DOS with drive wire for the Coco 2 and for the Coco 3. Even though this board only works in the 3, that's so that if you are running stuff that you don't want high speed mode, you can use the HDB DOS for the Coco 2. And it uh, also has, a, um, I'm not sure if it's pronounced YADOS or YADOS, but uh, it also uh, supports that in there too. And this allows you to obviously have drive wire capabilities without having to use the cartridge port and leaves the cartridge port open for your Coco Mini, among other things. Or an Orchestra 9 or any other hardware card. So this way you can run drive wire, even if you don't have any form of a multi-pack, along with an extra hardware card, whether it's a sound card or whatever, R32, whatever. That is correct. Now I'm trying so. to remember, in the Coco 3, is the uh, ROM socketed or is it soldered? Um, in mine, it was soldered. Okay, yeah. So that's the one thing you have to be able to do that. Yeah, it's pretty simple to unsolder. <laughs> Not for me, it ain't. <laughs> if you have the right tools, yes. Yeah. Or a if you have a, a PAL, Coco has them socketed. <clears throat> no, thanks. Thanks for rubbing that detail in, Nick. Um, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, but North Nick American does that one. a lot. Yeah. I don't think the North American Coco threes have anything socketed, do they? Out, out no, from I don't the factory. Think so. And the yeah, the joy, joysticks, the serial port, and the uh, cassette port are all socketed. <laughs> yeah. And here's your second project. Now, this is the one I didn't really know how to explain in the first place, so I'll let you totally handle this one. All right. Um, yeah, this is the one. It's I've talked about it only a little bit on the Discord server. Um, basically, what this board does is you remove the PIA from your Coco. And this one will work, unlike my other one, this one will work in any Coco. And what it does is you take the PIA out, put this board in the slot, and then put the PIA into the top of this board. And then that header on the left, that will, uh, you plug in an ESP8266 Wi-Fi module. And it'll connect your Bitbanger port straight to the Wi-Fi module so that you can use a Wi-Fi module directly connected um, without having to like use a cable with um, level shifters and all that. It already has all that built into it. Um, the 
added benefit of this, if you use it in a Cocoa One, um, evidently the RS-232 port on the Cocoa One is limited to the 38.4K baud, and this will allow the Cocoa One to do a full 57.6K baud. And uh, it can also, if your Wi-Fi is not your thing, as some people don't care much for it, you can actually use an TTL to USB adapter for a wired connection. Okay, so this gives you a, a, a bit banger speed up for things like drive wire for all Cocoa Ones. Yeah. And it enables you to do it without using specialized cables with shifters and stuff as well. So it's a bit Correct. of a simpler thing to plug in. Yeah, you just pull out your PIA and then plug this in and then plug in either the ESP8266 module or you connect a... Dash um, 01. Yeah, what he said. Yes, dash 01. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. <laughs> oh, you're now, welcome. Now listen here. Just because I showed you that board didn't mean that you had to go even further. <laughs> so hey, how do you get it on your Wi-Fi? Do you have to connect it to a PC first to configure it? Um honestly, I don't know. I've had two of those boards for a year now and I've yet to use them on anything. It's just that I actually was designing this board for using a TTL to USB adapter. Mm -hmm. And Dave actually said to me, he goes, you could probably put an ESP 8266-01. Yes, okay. And, and I said, yeah, probably could. And then when I went and looked at it and thought about it, I was like, well, if I designed it for the ESP8266-01 that the TTL to USB would be just as simple of a couple wires plugged onto the header. <laughs> so I have not actually um, done the uh, the uh, Wi-Fi module yet, but my Coco One actually has the TTL adapt the TTL to USB, and that's what I'm actually using for uh, drive wire on it. Cool. If you use uh, Alan Huffman's uh, uh, port with his iModem, it should just plug in and look just like a modem. You can just dial up a, a Telnet BBS <gasps> or such. Yeah, that's from what I understand. It's yeah, there's a um, Zymodem and there's a couple others that emulate the AT command set, page command set. So, and then this last picture here, Sloopy, um, this is actual boards you've got actually with the the internal drive wire. Yes, those are actual boards, the actual uh, boards that I made for, because my original board was just point-to-point -point soldering. Um, wires weren't twisted together, but they were. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done the twisty wire thing since probably 1980. Well, we'll go with 1989 because I don't want to be that old. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that kind of stuff with speaker wire before. I had like kind of twist splice some speaker wire and then yeah. electric electric tape them or something. But <laughs> so since you've got actual boards made here, is this something you plan on selling later, or or what's what's your ultimate goal? Um, well, in general, I make projects that I want that I want for myself, and if other people show interest in wanting to buy them then I'll make more for other people. And because I've gotten 
at least two or three people that said that they've wanted one. I've, uh, I'm going to be making some board, a run of, of these boards um, at the very least. Um, the other ones, they were just announced yesterday. Not many people knew of their existence until yesterday. So um, I've already got two people that have said that they want one. So I'm probably going to make a run of them also. Okay, so since you are planning on making a, a, a small, at least a small run of these boards here for people that are interested, uh, do you have a price in case other people that are watching the show and, and haven't heard of this before of what you plan on selling these for? Or, or do you know uh, that yet? I haven't really uh, thought about it yet, but literally a uh, best guess for this board would be um, complete with um, both ICs on it. Uh, would be no more than $25 at most. Okay. Okay. That's pretty cool to have it in like an internal, you know, boot straight to, you know, off driveway yeah, type thing. Driveway, so. driveway, driveway. This, this, the most significant cost of it is the ROM, the flash ROM. So those are like five, $6 each. The other board, it's probably like 18 to 20 at most. And that would include an ESP module or a TTL to the USB module. And a neat thing too, Sloopy, is that you're relatively new to the community. You're an Apple guy. No, excuse me, Atari guy. I didn't mean to insult you. Um, you're an Atari guy. I'm assaulted. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But you've, you've come in and you're already making some Cocoa hardware projects. That's pretty cool for being kind of, you know, new to the system. Yeah. Well, I've been designing hardware for a year or two, so... Yeah. 4 30. Yeah, that's I've, cool. I've, I've had this long ha uh, standing habit of not leaving things alone. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of your demos, I think you were showing on Discord, there were suddenly something would stop working or blow up. Kind of a test. Yeah, I had to jiggle the one wire and get this, get the picture back up, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's well, why that's that's the that's jiggling makes it work. Yeah. Well, that's why I smoke so that I can deny that my projects are on fire. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just glad we're not playing the David Ladd drinking game right now with all those ESPs and TTLs and drive wires. We'd all be yeah. wasted right now. The hardware oh, acronym we game. We can throw some flux and and uh, grease weasels in there too. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sure you could, David. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I got. Uh, I got a cat weasel. Doesn't that give you a finisher drink? Yeah. What about a cat oh, weasel? Because that's yeah. that's actually a retro weasel board. That one deserves like a double shot. Yeah. So yeah, I've got it. It's actually in the computer over behind me. A uh, cat weasel, the PCI version. No, cat yeah. Cat Tim weasel. Tim Linder years ago lent me his ISA bus version of the cat weasel, so I could back up some of my old copy protected games. So. Yeah, I also used to have. Uh, the cat weasel that went on the um, Buddha IDE hard drive card from the Amiga. So neat. New anyway, projects. yeah, it's like like Stevie said, it's it's really cool that you you know you you haven't been in the Cocoa community that long, and you're already designing some pretty cool hardware projects that have other people interested in buying them from you. So that's that's a good feather in your cap, I think. Yeah, yeah I mean, right now it's just a matter of scraping the, together the money just to get the boards made. So. Well, if you sell them and you know, make a little profit for yourself, I'm sure nobody would complain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Discover your, your manufacturing, shipping, et cetera, costs and, you know, kicking in a couple extra bucks for yourself. Yeah. So. 
neat, 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 neat. Like it. Yep. And that's all I had for the news today. Yay. So Mr. Brian Weasler, if you want to show off that shirt there you got, before I forget. And get, um, if Mark can make him big. Yeah. There he is. TRS-80, color computer, 40th anniversary, 10 print, 1980. See so here, I'm calling I'm calling shenanigans this one. I don't think the tilde key exists in extended basic, does it? 1980 <laughs> sure. to 2020. No, but it doesn't OS9, so that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Nice. There's the Coco. There's the color computer system block diagram, because everybody needs to have that on a t-shirt. Uh, Radio Shack, TRS-80, color computer. Yes. Very cool. And nothing screams sex magnet like a schematic breakdown like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, babe. You'll attract other engineers at least. <laughs> yeah, Dave, David Ladd will follow you around like a puppy dog after that. So that sounds, oh, that sounds, that sounds more like a warning than a benefit. <laughs> I'm more a sophisticated engineer. I prefer a full schematic. <laughs> Watch out, David Ladd's a hugger. Yeah, you're gonna need a bigger shirt. <laughs> uh, we can do that, or we can do a commercial first. Ops up to you guys. If there's any questions, I don't even know. I haven't been kind of following the chat too much, so. I don't know if it's been in the chat, but if we open it up, questions. I'm sure if somebody had some, we can also try to say hi to. Um, why don't we take a break and open Let's take up a break the and we'll figure it out during the break. There we go. Yeah, any questions you guys have for Nitro 9 Easy Views Beta 6, have them queued up and ready to go for after the commercial break. There you go. Boom. And now, this message. Hi, it's Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Talk crew of people. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Noble, co author of Nitrous 9. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its current incarnation, Nitrous 9, is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events, to persons living or dead, is purely coincidental. Hi, this is Max Jackson, live from Coco Pass. And you listen to The Real Gamer, Steve Shrove. We're traveling through a dimension both of sound and ideas. We're at a place where the mind can comprehend and devise a solar radio, a wireless transmitter, measure time and light. 65 electronic projects brought to reality with this science fair kit. Astonishing? Perhaps. 
But you can find it for Christmas for $17.95 in a place that's known as Radio Shack. Radios, stereos, recorders, everything in sound. today at lcurtisboyle.com. Okay, I think even some people on the, the panel here um, had had some questions. I think Tom Heron was one in particular that had some questions. Um, uh, if, it, if it's going to end up being an answer that's quite complicated and long, we'll probably just say, you know, we'll, we'll pick it up on Discord later. I don't want to type everybody's time for hours here. Yeah, don't make me call asparagus. <laughs> but first of all, I guess my first question for the panel, and we'll wait for stuff to come into the chat too as well. Is how many of you people have actually downloaded the new ease of use? So, like I said, it just got released Christmas Eve, and of course, everybody was busy with Christmas to their families on Christmas Day. So, I'm not sure too many people have had time to really delve into it. But uh, for those that have, what's been your opinion so far? Have you hit anything that you know doesn't work right, or looks weird, or have questions about? It. So, uh, the only thing I've noticed is that it says Nitrous Nine Sixty Three O Nine twice on the start screen, and uh, on Discord, I filed several not bug reports for all the stuff that I was able to carry over from my ease of use five without any fuss, muss, hassle, or anything. And uh, this one command thing to turn on DriveWire just needs to go. DriveWire is supposed to be all complicated and hard to get going in OS 9 and you know that kind of stuff. Just type in one command and then DriveWire works on your next boot. I, it's too much change. I can't handle it. Well, I can recommend downloading the repository version if you want to do it all manually, um, but still available. <laughs> Some people are just never happy. Uh, well, Go ahead, Rick. Said so I've been playing with mine, and about the only thing I had to do was stick T2 and Term Set. 
And otherwise, I'd drop my old serial drivers into it and remote logins, and everything works fine. I'm really enjoying the experience so far. Have you noticed got, much of a speed increase from the old days? Or it's oh, compared to the old days, it's uh, a whole different machine. I'm just not getting to the like uh, features 51 through 54 part of the <laughs> swap boot and Cisco and all of that. So, so I'm still doing things the heavy-handed old here. I'll just plop in a startup and you know load S16 550 and call it a day. But uh, I can't wait to. It's been a pretty good Christmas. I got this, and then I got my um, the Cocoa Pie running on my Pi 4, so I've got too many toys right now. <laughs> I, I will mention Ron Klein is actually working actively on getting the Cocoa Pie Easy Views Beta 6 ready, and he's probably going to default it to having the hardware clock on um, so that you don't have to type in the time, because you can do that on the Pi built-in. Yeah, so what a tearjerker. I, I uh, loaded the latest Nitro, and it was still Beta 5. <laughs> Oh, from the Cocoa Pie repository? Exactly. Okay. It, it should yeah. be out pretty quick. I also just got it literally while we were talking here. I got a, a text from Bill that he's got the a Matchbox version ready for Beta 6. He's going to be sending it to me to put on the website and also have to load the archive. And that one modifies it to do the 80 by 60 hardware tech screens. Nice. If you have a Matchbox. I nice like trash can. I would like to know how to uh, navigate the SD card. From Nitrous 9? Yeah. Right now there's the one. SDC command um, written by Barry Nelson. Bill has started one to be a bit more easy to use, but it's because we had a lot of you know core OS stuff to fix up here for the release. Uh, he didn't quite get it finished yet. So it's, it's a little bit buggy, but uh, the 6.1 maintenance really doing within the next couple months. We're, we're going to wait for bug reports and stuff to come in too to see if we can fix some other things too. But some of the stuff we just didn't have time to get finished for the Christmas release here. That's one of the things we plan on being in there is the a way to make that uh, much easier. Okay. I mean, right now, you if you're booting with SDC Explorer, you can mount the main drive as drive zero, but then you can mount a different SD image as drive one, and then you can access it through H1. So you can do it that way, or you can run the SDC command within and then, you know, follow the, the text prompt stuff that uh, Barry has built in. You know, it'd be good if somebody would make a video on how to do some of that stuff. Just, you know, a short video. Funny you should mention that. Yeah. Um, Rob Eman and I were talking just as we were getting the, the press release ready for it, that one thing we want to do on Coco Talk and in general is to maybe do for the next little while kind of a weekly segment where people can send in some questions of how to do certain things or things that, you know, they think we should help teach people how to do. And do a quick video segment that we can probably even pre-record it if it's a fairly small one. Or we can sometimes do an interactive one if we need to show people step-by-step, step, you know, live. And they can even try it live while they're watching the show. So we're planning on doing some tutorials and uh, demos and stuff like that over the next uh, couple of months. That would be great. And I, I was able to make uh, the PC um, font come on. But only on the um, screen after you get, get, you know, the starting screen. You can't do it on the blue screen on the blue window when if you hit yeah tab. if it's a hardware tech screen you're you're stuck with the gimme font because that's the one built into the gimme well you have to switch to a graphic screen after five thousand tries <laughs> you know, well a few yeah. yeah I figured well you know what I just won't be able to do it here so I go back over there and I was the other thing was uh, um, you have the list of fonts the demo I went mm -hmm. on there and looked at all those and. and 
you know, after you type in display and those numbers and the, I wasn't sure if, if I was supposed to type in the dollar sign number or the just the number of the font. And I finally figured that out. It's just the number of the font, right? Yeah, defaults to hex, you can do that. There is options in display. You can switch it to decimal if you're more comfortable with that. I think you have to put a period before each number and then it'll interpret it as decimal. So we, wow. display will work both ways. Yeah, and then um, if you change the font and then bring up G shell, you get a, a, a mystery menu at the top of the screen because yeah, G Shell's got some hard coding in it for fonts because it, yeah. it needs certain size fonts and it needs to do narrow fonts and stuff which the DOS font doesn't have yeah. support for. So there's some you know hard codedness in certain programs, and there's only I think I think three or four narrow fonts in there right now. There's a one that G Shell uses, a standard one. There's a Mac style one. Um, I can't remember what the other one is off the top of my head, but there's there's a few of the narrower fonts. We're actually planning on doing a bit further work on fonts, actually, probably not for 6.1, but maybe 7. Uh, Bill and I have some long-term plans, which I'm not going to announce now, but that'll hopefully make things a lot easier for manipulating fonts. But basically, to answer your question, you have to be in a graphics window to run any of the fonts besides the built-in gimme one. And you can do that. A quick and dirty way to do it is just fire up you know, G shell and then just do the Tandy menu and do shell. And then just you know, draw a square box, how big you want your shell to appear on the screen. And that's always a graphics one. So then you're display commands will work from there or you can create your own manually too i noticed that uh, some of the windows that come up for help aren't big enough to see all the help and they and they scroll off and there's some it should pause it, it does pause but that uh you miss some of the text you know what i mean like the window's too small are, are you running in 40 column or in 80 column oh uh, gosh i don't remember it'd be 40 i'd say yeah, if you're still running 40, then yeah, it might overflow some of those because some of the lines in the help file are, are pretty long. So uh, it, it's a basic idea is to go to the 40 or to the 80, I mean, column? If you can. I mean, the reason we have 40 as a default is because there's quite a few people new to the Coco that are running these okay. on TVs and composite monitors. And um, the first so at least thing, it's readable. The first thing I did was take it off composite. Um yeah, I imagine most people that are you know have RGB monitors will be doing well, that. Well, it came up as red, and I thought, uh oh, yeah. there's something missing here. But I figured it out. That that's that's Nick Morani's main complaint of the difference between PAL and NTSC Coco threes is because the PAL machines, your colors were exactly the same between composite PAL and RGB PAL, yeah. so they don't have to worry about any of this. It just comes out right. NTSC, the North American variant, that's the one where the colors are completely and utterly different from each other with the same value. And that True. is a pain in the ass. So we, we have ease of use defaulting to composite and defaulting to 40 column on your boot screen, defaulting to 40 column in G shell, just so you can make it readable. But if you have an RG monitor, I would highly recommend going in and changing your settings to 80 column and RGB. Can you, is can you make 80 column standard then? So yes. it comes up. And, oh, so you just go over. You can change the boot screen and G shell both control. Up 80 columns. Yeah. You go over to Control's control. got an issue, actually. This was just discovered at the late stages here. We've added so many new variables into the environment file that um, G Shell has a fixed size buffer, apparently. Now, we have added ones before, and it didn't cause this problem, so I didn't realize. I thought they were doing it line by line like some other utilities do. But it tries to read in the whole thing at once, and now it's overflowing. So when you try to rewrite it back out, you can run Control and make temporary changes. Just don't save the changes, and it'll work for your current session. But if you try to save it, it actually will corrupt your environment file. Now, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but he's started working on a new control program and Bill and I are going to help him with it. And I think Bill Pierce is actually working on a version of doing the same thing in his new version of M-Shell as well. But you'll be able to uh, properly edit the, the 
and save your settings in the in the control program and gprint and in the uh, ports off the tandy menu too so that that'll be coming that was something we didn't realize until fairly late in the game that that was actually a problem so the fun of beta testing well thanks for it it's great it's getting more fun as time goes on Good. That's good to hear. We had, yep. we had some really good feedback. Um, like one thing that surprised me, like the swap boot system I came up with was actually to help me and Bill for testing because we have to swap between emulators and CPUs and monitor types and everything else. So I just did that as a hack to be able to switch through them easily without me having to remember to copy all these files all over the place. And it seems to be probably the most popular <laughs> option on the new system right now because it makes it really easy. And you can make your own. You can fit up to 20 different custom boots. <clears throat> and some people were asking... Uh, in the emails, uh, why do we also copy, you know, separate startup files and environment files? Because wouldn't you want your colors and stuff set the same between everything? Like if you're booting a drive wire boot or just a plain SDC boot or an emulator boot or whatever. And actually, uh, one of the things that we had a request for earlier when we started talking to some of the beta testers about this was that you can actually create a theme. So if you want your plain SDC boot uh, to say you have white on black text as a default, you can set your environment file for your plain SDC boot with those colors. Then you maybe want your drive wire boot to have white on dark blue or dark red or something like that in the background so that when you boot it up visually, you'll instantly know which version you have booted because you've designed it that, you know, I want a blue background. That means I'm running drive wire. I want a black background. It's SDC or whatever colors you picked. So you have a visual cue, even if you just come to the Cocoa a day or two later and forgot what the last boot you did was, you can just take a look. Oh, that's what I'm running. So you can kind of custom custom design your colors and stuff based on your boots and make your own. If you want to add in, you know, MIDI or, you know, 16550 drivers like Ricky Loon's doing or any other thing you want to do or custom boots for hardware, custom boots for certain software, then um, you can have up to 20 at once in the current menu system. And I think we're only using a max four depending on the system you got now. I have one last thing to ask you and I won't bug you anymore. But um, when I put, uh, I used uh, M shell and copied uh, some stuff over from floppy to the um, pictures, uh, CM3 mm -hmm. uh, files and I clicked on it, it wouldn't come up. I think I briefly talked to you about it on chat, you know, on uh, Messenger. But um, <clears throat> how is it that um, it doesn't automatically have view to look at it? How did I got to check on that? I do know, like, we have a 639 version of view. I, I it's tried a lot it faster on, and it has a lot it, of extra options. I tried it on the 6309 version. It did exactly the same thing. It just yeah. Well, the, I don't have it there. enabled on the 639 version. It's actually there, but you have to load it separately. Because I found out that on CM3 files, it actually just bombs out. It doesn't display. It doesn't crash the machine, but it won't display them. And apparently, that's a bug I had when I last updated View back in 1999 or whatever, and I just didn't notice at the time. All and right, I've so, lost the source code, so I have to reconstruct all that and fix it. Okay. So would um, GIFs work or? Yeah, they should. In fact, uh, the, the 639 version actually supports animated GIFs and stuff too, which I'm, I'm not enabling right now because A, the 6809 doesn't have the matching one, though it could. And I do plan on back implementing all the changes I had done to the 6309 version back to the 6809. And I can speed up the 6809 version. We've done some changes to the system on how you define get put buffers uh, for doing full width of a screen that you can now speed up and cut the number of calls in half. So the 6.9 would actually display pretty well any horizontal-based format. That means like MGE, uh, VEF, uh, GIF, and a few other formats. It'll display all of those faster, even on the 6.9. So that's something I'm planning for the 7.0 release. Okay, thanks. Okay. 
Any other questions? I know Tom, I think you had uh, wanted to ask some questions. Uh, I think most of mine are probably pretty specific. Um, like I'm just, maybe I should do the, this is my life. Cause I think my questions are going to lead into that. <laughs> I mean, just to put it in context a little bit, should I do that or no? Yes. Yes. So I, I graduated high school in 84, just to give you an idea of my age. And I think I had, I know I started with the Sinclair ZX80, I think in 1980 when I was like a ninth grader. And I think by the time I was done with high school, I had a Coco one maybe in 83 or 84. And then I bought a Coco three and got OS nine back in, I don't know, late eighties. Um, so I used my computer quite a bit during college um, just to do homework on the side. And um, I would use it to also remote into the college computers, like the, the, the deck VMS machines using the modem and uh, the program was called micro terminal. So that was, you know, just handy to have the machine. But after I graduated, you know, I got my computer science degree. But, you know, I was a C developer for about 15 years, but on an IBM PC. So I just kind of boxed up all the Cocoa stuff. So um, I'm, I'm still a computer programmer from a job and I work at a company called SAP. Um, so I've always wanted to do something a little more significant for the Cocoa. So I'm just kind of getting back into it. But I know very little about just the whole landscape of everything that's available out there. So it's kind of overwhelming. So I thought I'd start with basic 09 um, and just try to get something going here. And uh, over the over the weekend, I, you know, with Curtis's help, he uh, I got uh, the new release of the ease of use going with the VCC. And I wrote a little program to have a snake bouncer on the screen, which this is kind of like hello world, you know, using the G GFX uh, uh, library and so forth. So I think I, the next thing I want to do is get a C compiler and write the same program in C within basic 09. I don't know why, but I just want to write something in basic 09. Like a, I've got a game idea. So I got one of my questions would be like, which C compiler would be the best one to use targeting OS nine or I'm sorry, nitrous or nine. Sorry. Um, we'll probably be a bit biased here because it's part of ease of use. Thanks to Jeff, uh, but Jeff has released DCC, which is basically the microware C compiler with some additions. It's got some, you know, uh, ANSI C uh, stuff in it. It's got some C plus plus stuff in it too. Uh, it's a little bit more optimized in the microware C compiler too. Now this is technically a beta as well. We haven't discovered any problems with it so far, but uh, you know there could be. <laughs> so, uh, but it, it would write slightly better code than the uh, the equivalent microware C compiler. But it's basically code compatible. So microware C compiler code should work fine in it. So, uh, and both of those C compilers are installed in Ease of Use Beta Six. So, which which compiler was that called? DCC. E. D, D is in dog. Oh, yeah. DCC. And it's, it's also a whole suite. If you want the full details, there's a couple of documentation files we included with EasyViews Beta 6 called DCC, blah, blah, blah. I think there's two of them that are basically notes from Jeff. Um, if you have any specific questions on the compiler itself, Jeff is definitely the person to ask. And Bill would be second. I'd be a dead last third. And then you can 
called GFX type calls with that as well? Yeah, the CGFX seven library, I believe, is included, which has a whole ton of stuff in it. So okay. that's and that works with both the micware C compiler, the original C compiler, plus it works with DCC. Okay. Well, thanks for all that. So yeah, I'm just um, you know, I went to the color computer festival uh, last year or in 2019. So yeah, I I ran around with my notebook like uh, Steve said because <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out like it's like wow all the things like I can't believe people are building hardware for it and you know just everything else. So you know I thought I used to know what I was doing quite a bit and I wrote some just regular um, assembly routines but nothing fancy back in the day. But again, that was like 30, 40 years ago. So anyway, it's so cool. And thanks for doing the ease of use offering. Yeah, you're I mean, it's so neat. Yeah, and feel free, like I'm, Bill and I are both open and Jeff as well are always on Discord. In fact, I can see they're both logged in right now. So if you have any questions, just put it in the appropriate channel and um, you know, one of us will get back to answer you. Yeah, well, thanks so much. Oh, one other quick question is like the LW tools at the, the Cocoa Fest, I saw that, um, you know, with CMOC that you, the LW tools had the linker, I think is one of the tools in LW tools, right? Mm -hmm. to, to do linking with CMOC compiler, but that targets the regular basic environment, right? I think it does low sign level one, two, possibly. I mean, okay. the C compilers from MicroWare and the DCC have their own linker in, in ease of use, so. Okay, never mind. I'll I just need to read more documentation. So sorry for bugging you all. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Yeah, I did see one comment there from Men Mendelio four twenty. Mentions I don't like using modern tech with my vintage computer game systems unless necessary. Um, I mean, hard drives were available from. 1984, 85 on, on the Cocoa. So that's, that's definitely period correct. The SDC is an easy way to do that with SD cards, just, you know, changing the storage it's actually on, but I mean, it's all running, you know, natively on the Cocoa. So I don't know if I'd consider that to be too modern. <laughs> yeah. And in the case of the SDC, it replaces our hard drive and a floppy drive simultaneously. So it's, it's kind of a, it saves you from having getting an MPI in a lot of cases, because in the old days, you'd have to have a floppy controller and a hard drive controller, which means you had to have an MPI to run both. Yeah. So anybody else downloaded any first impressions or uh, questions? And thanks for your quick uh, review there, Rick. Oh, hey, everything works pretty well. I, Like I say, I dumped like the same four files I've dumped on the last three beta releases. And you know, I've got my right colors, my terminals work. Uh, you know, it's keep going. <laughs> have, have you ever considered uh, doing a graphic to come up instead of hiding all the uh, text as it goes? You know? We, we uh, did consider it. A splash um, screen. Most people we've talked to, too, uh, have kind of said, you know, we prefer something that, you know, it's, it's cool to see that the first few times you boot it up with a graphic screen, which takes longer to draw, longer to load. So it slows down the boot process a little bit. But they said, you know, after the fourth or fifth time, it's like, no, I just want to get in and get doing what I wanted to do rather yeah. than, you know, sit and wait. So, I mean, we do have that one kind of joke one there, the boot win program that actually boots up Windows 95 for you. 
<laughs> yeah, to be frank, I'm going to use your new um, boot, swap boot thing to create a boot that loads like four color patterns and one font and go. Yeah, and just it gives you a nice clean system map. Yeah. Well, that's the reason we did, we did that actually is that uh, you can customize it to your heart's content and actually have all of these available. Yeah. Any others? I, I realize this is kind of rushed since we, like I said, literally released it two days ago. Not even, not even a full two days yet. And then we had Christmas in the middle, so a lot of people haven't tried it yet. So, we'll probably do a follow up next week when people actually had a chance to hammer through it. This is where we need Mark to hit the button that says "Ease of Use." <laughs> <laughs> They might have fallen asleep. We're talking about Nitrous 9 after all. No, so. he said he was running as soon as Nitrous 9 started. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick's only sticking around here because he wants to see the trash can if we sneak a picture of it on at some point. So, That's Oh, don't worry. We, we can start talking about floppies. I'm sure they'll put Nick to sleep. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it might be done. Like I said, there's not probably not too many questions on ease of use yet this week, just because it's it's so recently released. So, I think all so. the credit, sir. I think so. Tom, welcome. Thank you very. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, come back again. Yes, you can come anytime. We're open here. We uh, we encourage people to join and take part and, and come back. And you'll yeah. and sign up Discord if you haven't already. I did already. Yeah. I've been. Yeah, I this concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tanny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marentes, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Marota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode.
Please help support the Toco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T.com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Oh, we're getting in our best behavior now. Hello. <laughs> Do we have one more? Uh, this is the last one this year? This is. Yeah. Yes. This is our last of 2020. We should, we should say goodbye to this year. Yes. Merry <laughs> Christmas and a happy new year, everybody. Buck off. Next year. Yeah. Buck off. <laughs> happy new year. The next year can't be as bad as this one. That's, that's all I got to say. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, right. Oh, I do want to make one quick mention. I will be putting the Matchbox version up for anybody who has a Matchbox uh, not too long after the show. And Ron Klein will probably have the uh, Cocoa Pie version of Ease of Use out this week too. So yeah, any of those cool. of you that have those platforms, look forward to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Push the button, Frank. Well, it's been a year. Hi, Hi, next year. Uh, Happy 20, New Year. 2020 Highway. It can't be uh, worse, uh, right?